0: One time Dusty uh, talked shit about some guys parking in, in our parking lot outside the bank and uh that guy he like, sucked. He goes I hate that guy. And he's pointing at a truck, is a big yeah. old truck that was like double parked, <laughs> like really obnoxiously double parked like at a 45 degree angle almost yeah. in our parking lot.
1: History it, will show I'm right.
0: And it was a big I, truck a- with one of those stickers on the back, just picture a sticker. You know what I mean? And so Dusty's like, he was mid-sentence. He goes, I hate that guy. And, and you, you hear, what? <laughs> yep. And that guy was like a, what'd you say? Like 65-year-old, like obvious, obvious Marine veteran <laughs> standing next to his truck that we just didn't, didn't see. Yep. And he goes, what'd he call you, a goofy bastard?
1: <laughs> uh, he said he was going to stomp my goofy ass
0: that's what he said
1: yeah and i uh i i was on my break from work not to say that he couldn't have stomped my goofy ass but i was on my break so i couldn't and i need this job whoever this guy is he thinks that he can park sideways in a handicapped spot uh and apparently knows somebody at the bank well enough to where he can park in that part of the parking lot so i can't say anything to him because i need this job so i just kept walking But he seemed to take that as some sort of victory. Whereas, like, if it weren't on even ground, I wouldn't just read this dude the riot act for being an asshole. He's Uh, he's still wrong. It's very funny.
0: Okay, (laughs) it's and I I started laughing maniacally, uh, probably still within earshot of this old man.
1: Yeah,
0: it was one of the funniest things I'd ever seen in my entire life.
1: It's (laughs) it's very funny. And I can, I can take my lumps, but I'm still right.
0: Oh, of course Hi- you are. It history, was terrible.
1: History will prove me to be right. Just because... Would you
0: rather be right or funny, though? Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's the question. Uh, that is the question. You know, A million-dollar question.
1: Those are the things that I see all the time on, like, TikToks or whatever, uh, where it's like the, some dude won't do something. Because some person is acting like a crazy some person in a retail setting is acting like a crazy person with a retail worker. And they're like, see, you won't do nothing. Blah blah blah. Right. Cause like I Target won't let me punch you. But if I could, if I could, if I could punch you and still keep my job at Target, I would certainly do that. Because you you were yeah, but- wrong.
0: I wouldn't. I, I would giggle uh, uncomfortably and walk away in any situation there. What are you <laughs> going to fight a 65 year old man because he parked stupid? Like, even if you're not working there, that's a stupid thing to do. You know what I mean?
1: No, I think he wants to fight me. That's the thing. Still, I like... don't
0: care. I don't care. You're <laughs> faster than he is. You better be faster than he is.
1: <laughs> I'm I'm faster over a long distance.
0: Literally, he I probably
1: will, he probably get. I am...
0: Unless I'm doing the Pedro Martinez to Don Zimmer and I'm just grabbing his head and and just, just uh, pulling him or, or, or just guiding him to the ground.
1: Yeah. Wheeling him about.
0: I'm not going to fight an old man, no matter what he says about me. You know what I mean?
1: Well, sticks and stones, Dusty. Better man than me. No, I don't think that uh, I don't, I think in those situations that person wants to fight and they're not, uh, and they're taking the other person's lack of aggression to mean they won. And I think that that says something about me. That bothers me. Yeah. That I'll, they got me. I'll fart know. in his
0: face. Like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah.
1: <laughs> now go away. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's the time an old, an old man screamed at me. Oh, man, it was great. Uh, yeah. I wish
0: I had a video of it. I, I wish I had it. Like, I could replay it whenever I want. You handled like, it. You handled it. What?
1: I did handle it correctly. Even oh, yeah. if even if I were mad at it at the end, I still handled it correctly because I just left. Because. Uh... <laughs> but he's gonna go. He's gonna go tell all his buddies. He told a young guy what for. Uh, you know, this generation thinks they can just say whatever they want because they won't get smacked in the face or whatever. Now, dude, I just. <laughs> I want really, to hear
0: how he told people because I want to hear if he was like, no, seriously, I parked like an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> I was damn near completely sideways <laughs> across two plus spots. You know what I mean? I
1: could see how this gentleman <laughs> could could hate me. Did I uh, what
0: now? Of course yeah. I had the sticker on there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I told him not to tread on me and he went ahead <laughs> and he tried
0: he's he a treading tread ass me. motherfucker man yeah, he's a he, goofy ass treading ass motherfucker
1: he tried to tread on me <laughs> Any I friend gonna...
0: thought it was the funniest thing he'd ever seen
1: yeah his, uh, his friend his who i su- <laughs> his, his friend who i assume has to have some sort of uh intestinal yeah. <laughs> problem uh, yeah i that. wouldn't
0: beat up his friend man i don't beat up the sick you know what i mean
1: yeah. he's 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 sick in like a scary way you know <laughs> what i mean
0: Yeah. got no uh, color to him he looks sad looks sad his, his shirt was wrinkled uh-huh he had holes in his shoes even though
1: he looked like he had some money <laughs> he had holes in his he, shoes he's
0: lost all will to be decent
1: yeah he's,
0: he's just laughing yeah. he thought it was the funniest thing he'd ever seen he knew he wasn't in no trouble yeah uh, he's,
1: a, he's gonna walk away
0: anyway uh let's uh, drop that theme Keplow, uh or kerplunk <laughs> however you want to say it um well it's Snark marks everybody we're a wrestling retrospective podcast out of the Central valley of california um we have we've done like a bunch of different topics now we have two full like seasons of of uh podcasts one was on the 1997 year in wrestling and the next one was god damn it what was our second season I'm blinking. It's a. I'm, I'm tired.
1: Best and worst of Vince Best Russo. of best how and worst for- of
0: goddamn Vince Russo. <laughs>
1: how could you forget?
0: Uh, follow us on all the socials on Instagram and Twitter. We are at Snark Marked Pod. We also have a Facebook. I never talk about the Facebook because I hate Facebook, but we're we're there. Find us. We're, we're doing it. You know? Yeah. Um, subscribe to us on YouTube. We we'll put out a couple videos. I have another one. Another idea for one. I got to figure out how I'm going to do it. Uh, coming down the 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 pipe so to speak. Uh, I think that's what they say. Um, and God damn it. I, I love you. Thank you for listening. Um, today we start a new uh, topic. We are going to talk about uh, Brett. Oh, I
1: almost did it, dude. I almost saw it forming on your lips. This dude. is a
0: landmine. Uh, I,
1: <laughs> that's really Brett, why I picked it. Not because of the excellent wrestling. I
0: know. Jesus Christ. It's, it's, I, I will be satisfied if I do not do that. If I don't say the singer for Poison's name one time during this. But anyway, uh, Bret Hart and Charles, I was just I, in the middle of heart. I had to make sure I was saying the right
1: uh-huh.
0: uh, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels are two of wrestling's greatest talents ever. Um, they're two of our favorite wrestlers um, and. They have always, because they kind of coexisted, so they've always kind of been compared to each other, even though they're very different from each other. So Dusty had the brilliant idea to to look at a chunk of each guy's individually best stuff and then look at the times that they competed with each other and then uh, come out with a bit of a verdict. I have a feeling, though, we might end up having different verdicts at the end of this.
1: Well, when I was a kid, Shawn Michaels was my favorite wrestler there was a time when Bret Hart was my favorite wrestler. Then there was a time where Shawn Michaels was my favorite wrestler. And now, going back and watching these matches, I can see the distinct differences and probably why at different points I enjoyed both guys. Okay, work differently. But yeah, we're gonna try to come to a consensus. Like we're not talking, you know, oh one of them is so far. Superior to the other. It's going to be like,
0: subjective, split and hair, hair splitting either way, because these are two of the greatest of all time.
1: It's Montana versus Tom Brady, even
0: though
1: Tom Brady is Ber- the, the best. So uh,
0: Montana, you fucking mullet-headed
1: yeah. <laughs> like asshole. Two-time beating the Bengals in the Super Bowl ass. God damn Joe Montana.
0: had fucking Jerry Rice <laughs> fucking yeah. throw to one guy the whole time.
1: <laughs> Super Bowl. Um, asshole. So, so yeah, catch I, by the
0: way, will yeah. was it was his name Clark something yeah. Clark
1: Dwight Clark.
0: That's the e- no Dwight Clark. Anyway, whoever that shows you that was in a white man's world of sports. That's the easiest catch like that. That that catch doesn't even get on Sports Center. Yeah, nowadays
1: if Dion's covering him, he's not making that catch. I make that catch.
0: It's just <laughs> it's a foot and a half above your head, Dwight. You jump and catch it, but like everybody's like. Oh man, that white guy—he—he he wasn't touching the ground when he caught that one. Yeah, <laughs> the greatest That's, catch of all time. Odell I mean, fucking jumps four feet in the air and catches the ball one handed.
1: I'm I'm looking at it right now. It is it is a bit impressive. It's not he's that good of the, a catch. He's off the ground. He's off the ground. I mean, it's more Joe Montana threw it high you know you're
0: you're literally proving what i said like because his feet aren't aren't attached to the ground when he catches it people act like this catch is like they call it the catch dusty
1: i yes i'm aware (laughs) that
0: Uh, catch they call the catch anyway this isn't the dwight clark retrospective even though we'll probably do that eventually because i need to i need to break that down i can find i can i can any given sunday i can find 15 catches better than the catch
1: in the movie any given sunday you could find 15 catches. probably
0: pacino can catch that ball
1: uh yeah well i think that's the you know all the problem with all sports is that like you're eventually running into the problem of like yeah the, that guy in the 70s looked like he was balling out of control for a dude in the 70s but like the guy making the league minimum in the nba now is better than, like, is more athletic than that guy was. He would
0: torch Bill Sharman. Bill Sharman? I know he's one of the greatest, uh, quote, unquote, but, okay, go guard Tracy McGrady. (laughs) Bill Sharman, you son of a bitch.
1: (laughs) You know, it's like Jerry West is the logo on the NBA thing. And it's like, dude, Allen Iverson crossed that guy over in a second, both his ankles break. Against Allen Iverson,
0: he calls the police. Yeah, Jerry West he, calls the police. There's a yeah. there's a wizard. <laughs> you guys, if he tries to steal something, he's gonna steal that something.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm not even just guy. talking about a basketball. He's gonna cross over uh, oranges, some, <laughs> kind, some kind of uh, if, if he, he wants toilet if he wants toilet paper rolls, he's taking those.
0: If he brings a basketball to a crime scene, you guys are in trouble. <laughs> I couldn't shoot this guy with a Gatling gun. Okay.
1: <laughs> you'll, you'll never be able to defeat his crossover. But
0: <laughs> anyway, we're also, fuck Mike, <laughs>
1: <Clark>. <laughs> yeah, we're also not talking about Allen Iverson, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So I, I went through and I picked what I feel are some personal best. Uh, Bret Hart matches and Shawn Michaels matches. There are matches that are not on this list that are definitely great, but I tried to be pretty even. And uh get a sprinkling of his career as a singles wrestler. Uh, the only other omission was Bret Hart had to retire in the year 2000. Shawn Michaels returned in 2002 and arguably had some of the best matches of his career after a long layoff. It seemed unfair to put those matches up against Brett's matches because the style had changed so much and Brett's not putting up any new work versus the 2000s Shawn Michaels matches. was
0: was Well, I guess Brett was old. I mean, like, Because he was born in like 57. He's older than my dad, which is crazy. But uh, my dad is old.
1: (laughs) He was like 42 when he retired because he retired in 2000.
0: Could he? So, was he just one of those guys that, like, I can't go like I used to, and I don't want to be a shell of my former self? Is that the situation, or
1: well, no, he got uh kicked in the head viciously by oh, Bill Goldberg. Yeah. I forgot, about and
0: that. uh, Bill Goldberg, I'm glad and, he wore that steel plate
1: and had multiple concut. Like, he had a concussion, and then as everyone now knows, unfortunately, we knew less than. Um, when you have a concussion, it's much easier to get more concussions because your brain is already swelled, so it's hitting the, your skull a lot easier. And so, in the course of like a month, he had like three or four concussions, and then he started suffering from post con- concussion syndrome where he had like gnarly migraine headaches all the time and he couldn't sleep and he couldn't do anything, so he had to vacate the WCW title at that point and he would like not that he would have been fine he probably could have wrestled a few more years because it's not like his style it's very good but it's he's not taking a ton of crazy bumps or anything you know like yeah flair flair still wrestled into his 50s
0: yeah but look at him now he's a fucking he's a pile of mush now right you know what i mean yeah i am a rock star <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> fucking rick flair Brian Gracie yeah Brian Gracie tonight's nature boy <laughs> they still want John Elway uh
0: slapping his biceps for some
1: reason <laughs> yeah so uh, that's I think so I wanted to stick with the 90s because there's a good narrative to the 90s for Brad Hart and Shawn Michaels because they're essentially you know the heads and tails of the same coin like The a lot of what Bret Hart did trailblazed the ability for Shawn Michaels to come in and then do what he did afterwards.
0: Yeah, and out of everybody that we've seen in terms of American talent, like in ring, I don't know if there's anybody better than these two in this era. Like, I love Austin. I don't think in ring he is Bret Hart or Shawn Michaels, um, especially after he broke his neck. You know what I mean? Like, I think maybe He could have, uh, it could be a different story had he not broken his neck. But even then, like, these are two of the greatest to ever get into the ring, you know. So um, I think, and we've looked at the 90s quite a bit. Do you have anybody who's American, who's not, um, who isn't, even Bret Hart's not American, but, like, who's in the major American, like, rosters who could hold a candle to these guys? Oh, Eddie.
1: Yeah, but Eddie also. Yeah, uh, but not to his. Not to either of those guys' detriments, but they didn't like they didn't as- achieve the same accolades as yeah. Brett and Shawn. So, like Eddie Guerrero might be a better pure pro wrestler than either of these guys because, uh, but Eddie Guerrero grew into that probably in the two thousands. In the nineties, he was great. Benoit also very good technically, but Malenco. just Malenko, those good. guys. But they didn't they didn't put it together all the way around the way that brett and sean did
0: especially know? sean man like uh, brett i i'm, I'm a, going into this okay so i think we should talk about how we feel before this study do you remember what your headspace was like before you watched these six matches again because uh, yeah
1: go ahead i always thought brett was the superior technical wrestler mm-hmm. um and was a very good storyteller in the ring but as always kind of telling the same story mm-hmm. like, and that his matches have a, like they sort of follow a path and Sean seemed to be the more athletic, flashier guy um, who would do, who, who could take crazier bumps and would do like crazier moves, but his matches don't have the same uh, storytelling quality that the Bret Hart matches have.
0: OK, yeah, I could I could definitely see that. I my opinion has, was always. Uh, especially given the, the context of the 90s that we just watched was. I like Brett's style in ring better. Mm-hmm. Um, I th- I think the psychology of his matches is really good. I mean, Sean, his his stuff had good psychology, too. But in terms of like upper echelon, like Brett, I f- I feel like there are cohesive stories to a lot of his matches. Um And uh, I think he has this natural relatability, like this weird. It's hard to explain relatability because he is like he's still like jacked and he's from Canada. Like but like I watch it and I I, it feels like a relatable guy. He doesn't feel like this untouchable kind of persona. You know what I mean? Um, But in terms of like overall showmanship, charisma, mic work, uh, all that stuff, I felt like if you're putting together. A top-flight headlining pro wrestler, Shawn Michaels, is the guy. Um, out of these two, uh, yeah. just because of, I mean, even the drama that surrounds him all the time, and the the his charisma um, on the mic. I mean, the women loved him, the men hated him. He 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 moved better in terms of like quickness and agility and stuff like that. But and that's how I felt before all of this. But like. Watching these six matches, man, Bret Hart's so damn good.
1: He's, he's there are very little, there are very few holes in Bret Hart's wrestling, like actual wrestling game. His like, matches were so grueling. Like,
0: he was always yeah. like, it always was, it worked to exau- exhaustion in all of them. Um, yeah. At least the ones that we're watching. I'm sure there were quick matches. We're watching some of the better, like longer matches, I'm sure. But like, yeah. and, were, and he had. We'll, we'll get into this deeper, but he had he always found unique counters for other people's moves that like made things a little bit more believable, in my opinion. Um, and uh, like even with the cage match that we'll get to, uh, he made things a little more believable than a lot of cage matches that we watch. Um, I think he understood that quite well. Maybe that's a Stu Hart thing. Maybe Stu Hart understood a lot of that stuff. Uh, or just old school wrestling. I don't know. I haven't watched enough of the old school, older stuff, but like um, anyway, that'll make more sense once I go into detail later. But um,
1: well, to speak to your point too, I think it's interesting. Like when we had your brother on, your brother had, had said like, he loved the cartoon era of wrestling very like so much. And then they had to get away from the cartoon era because uh, they were being investigated for steroids and all of those things and so that's why they install Bret Hart as the top star because you can look at Bret Hart and even though he's not like every other guy like he's not just a guy that kind of works out like Bret Hart is in crazy good shape
0: yeah he's he's got a huge chest on him yeah
1: and his arms are like giant like you couldn't just be a weekend warrior kind of i go to the gym a couple di- times a week dude and look like bret hart like he's in phenomenal shape for his build but he doesn't look insane he's not hulk hogan or ultimate warrior or andre the giant or even randy savage who looked insane for his build because well, he did steroids
0: and to be fair i would be shocked if bret hart didn't do steroids for the record uh, because of I, the because of the the, and it mean, doesn't go out counter to what you're saying because right. he, he didn't look insane but like because of just the the nature of the business i i mean it's it's to an extent especially um at the lower at the lower lower doses uh steroids are kind of like not bad for wrestlers like it's it's when you're blowing your heart up and fucking right. you know what i mean but like yeah to help you recover some hgh or something like that which is different than steroids always. it's not an anabolic thing but like if anybody should take steroids it's wrestlers it's just hey fucking don't look like scott steiner you asshole like what
1: are you doing well yeah so i guess i believe brett might have said that he had done some steroids but like he never got busted so during the time when he was clean yeah yeah yeah. he was clean but that didn't necessarily appeal to your brother because bret hart looks like a dude just a dude if you're gonna my
0: brother loved Ultimate Warrior, so right. If
1: you're gonna put him up against guys like Ultimate Warrior, but Bret Hart kind of has uh I don't I, I don't know if it's an exact analog. He kind of has this Nate Diaz kind of uh chemistry to him, where like D- Nate Diaz does not strike you as a super athlete necessarily when you look at him, but I think that helps make him relatable to a bunch of regular people where you're like, Oh, he's he, he looks like a dude, even though he's not. Like, Nate Diaz is in phenomenal shape and runs triathlons and could box any dude that thinks he could beat Nate Diaz in a bar fight. But he, he does have an everyman kind of charisma to him that dudes that, like, George St. Pierre doesn't have.
0: Well, you know, that, what, what, what's funny, though, is I was going to make the George St. Pierre comparison because George St. Pierre, he had... I mean, he's one of the biggest uh, he's until Connor came. GSP was the biggest uh, gate attraction that they had in aside from Brock. But Brock was kind of a flash of the pan situation. You know what I mean? Um, uh, It's uh, Connor, GSP and Brock are their three biggest um, uh, gate attractions um, sustained at least. And I mean, it's not just they're both Canadian. They're both like they both just they wanted to compete like that's what i always feel about bret hart's uh persona is he just kind of showed up and did his job and like he wanted to come he he was there to compete he's not there for the bullshit like fucking baby mama drama and all the stuff that was that that wrestling eventually became in the in the 90s which is why we talked about um, when we did the Vince Russo stuff, Bret Hart wouldn't have really fit in with a lot of that stuff because it, it would have felt so stupid to put Bret Hart in the middle of one of those crazy stupid stories. Right. But Bret like Hart
1: versus Val Venus doesn't really do anything yeah. for you. Yeah. So he doesn't
0: have like neither of them in terms of Hart and GSP. Neither of them have like that inherent like Shawn Michaels sexy man charisma. Like they're not you know using their jacket to dry their ass off like it's a towel (laughs) you know what i mean like alvinas does and stuff so but they have this charisma because they have a little bit of relatability like even even gsp was jacked obviously um and he was a one percenter athlete but he talked about getting bullied as a kid and like if you look at pictures of him as a kid nerd alert like fucking (laughs) wee 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 because he had he had the the sean hunter uh mid part haircut oh but yeah, yeah. he didn't have the hair for it so it was like it looked like a teepee on his head it looked fucking stupid <laughs> um, but uh they they were straightforward like guys who were charismatic because they were relatable and i could put gs i could put Nate, i can see how you'd say Nate Diaz. I, I just do think that gsp does uh um apply as well you yeah
1: know? well if you were to say what is Bret Hart's wrestling character? He would say he's a wrestler. Yeah. That's, what he, that's what, what he is. Exactly. Like, what's, the, what's the underlying Bret Hart wrestler character? And it's, I'm a wrestler. I think I'm the best. I'm going to get in the ring. And this guy thinks he's the best, but I'm going to beat him. And that's great. That's the GSP. You know, I love three things in the world dinosaurs women and the violence of the octagon it's still
0: one of the great i want one of the greatest (laughs) lines in the history of sports there's three things that that i love so (laughs) and because he's french so like it's like women dinosaurs and (laughs) the violence of the octagon
1: (laughs) and bret hart even pulls out the uh i was not impressed by your performance like (laughs) that is a bret hart thing to do yeah uh And it's just like, yeah, he's, he even says later when he came back to WWF, uh, after his hiatus, whenever he was going to wrestle Steve Austin, he's like, I'm not a garbage man. I'm not a clown. I don't like, I don't have another profession. I'm, (laughs) I'm not a guy who does another thing. And is also a wrestler. Like I'm the best pro wrestler and I'm going to wrestle the other best pro wrestler.
0: That makes the GSP comparison even better because GSP was like a bunch of times was fighting these guys that were trying to like promote themselves and be like wild and and be uh, shocking and and uh, loud and screamy and all that stuff. Uh, but he was just always GSP. And he was yeah. just like a very straightforward like guy who kind of talked monotone and like all that stuff. and then he'd whoop their ass. And that's kind of like Bret Hart where like Bret Hart doesn't have to be doing all this cr- like you said he's not a repo man like he's yeah. he's, he's you know he's not he's yeah. not uh, he's not an eight ball you know what I mean like he's just Bret Hart he's he's part of the Hart family and he's the, the best goddamn wrestler on the planet so like yeah, yeah. and that's why um, uh, the excellence of execution though sometimes I feel like it was kind of corny like the way that he would say it or like the way they would work it into conversation and stuff like that yeah. It was the perfect way to explain what Bret Hart does. Like whoever came Bret. up with that, um, it's a little it's a little clunky, but like it's it's spot on. Like he is excellent, yeah. and he always is just perfectly executing everything he's doing. Like yeah, I don't know, I, I just love watching this guy wrestle. But...
1: He'll he'll beat you on technique, like they they talk a lot. Uh, Bret Hart is the the best encapsulation, I think, of like a wrestler as an athlete because they taught, there's a lot of athletes that talk about like on pure skill, some dudes will beat you, but they're, but they're lazy. G, uh, uh, BJ pin on yeah. pure skill alone is better than 99% of dudes, but he doesn't take the extra time because he's so phenomenally, naturally talented. So like the <laughs> excellence of execution is Bret Hart saying like, I might not be the best guy, but I'll put in the most work. It's the Kobe Bryant gets up at four in the morning to go, uh, to go shoot free throws, you know, because he, he knows that he's not Shaq. He's not naturally gifted with these things that'll make him better at basketball. He has to go like, do the work. And then that comes through in all of the Bret Hart matches.
0: Yeah. One time, one time Ty Cobb, uh, his, his roommate got in the bed before he did. And he fucking grabbed the guy by his, by his collar and pulled him up. And he goes, you don't understand. I'm always first.
1: <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> Jesus, That's yeah. That's sort of the my you know, if there were a last dance about Bret Hart, because one of the knocks on Bret Hart is that he is a little too serious about himself. If there were a last dance about Bret Hart, he does have that Michael Jordan, like, and I took that personally kind yeah. of attitude
0: Towards okay. things. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like. Yeah. And well. And we'll, real quick, then we'll we'll just mention we, we we watched a couple of extra videos, and there was one of Scott Hall that was calling Scott Hall calls everybody a Mark. Everybody. Yeah. Like yeah. if you look up Scott Hall <laughs> online, it's just Scott Hall calls uh calls fucking Kevin Nash a Mark. Scott yeah. Hall call Scott Hall calls Brett Hart a Mark. Everybody's uh, Scott Hall calls the word the world marks. Everybody's a Mark. You're a Mark. He's a Mark Marky Mark like every everything is about how people anyway. Yeah, but uh, he uh, he said that he went to Bret Hart's house when Bret Hart was on top and that Bret Hart had pictures of himself all over the house like yeah. everywhere and he had a picture of like him and his Sergeant Pepper jacket above his baby's crib and shit. Yeah. Um, I have a couple thoughts about this. First of all it's hilarious.
1: Yeah, Scott Hall is very entertaining. <laughs> yeah and it's hilarious
0: like the idea of that like you don't think that i like if i ever got famous i wouldn't think it was funny to just put pictures of me all over my house (laughs) it'd be an annoying bit but it'd be a funny bit but i don't think that's why bret hart did it this is a theory that i have i think a lot of people who don't have any taste and don't know how to decorate shit just put pictures everywhere yeah and I think there's a chance that it, there's a little bit of narcissism there. So I'm not sure, I'm not saying completely take it out because of, this is just a theory, right? Yeah. There's a chance. He just does not decorate his house. What else are you going to put up there? <laughs> Generic target pictures that came with a picture yeah. frame. You know what I mean? He's Brett fucking heart. He's going to put his belts up.
1: Well, also like he is like he is a, on some level, like a Canadian hero in yeah. a worldwide Famous person, and like you can get lost in the sauce, but also, like, when's he going to develop good interior decorating uh, sensibilities? Like, after his match with Bam Bam Bigelow, he's looking in better homes and gardens. Like, yeah. he's just a dude, and like, it seems it probably seems cool to him because it is cool. I think the earnestness of it is what makes it easy to lampoon because yeah. he's not doing a bit, but like, you know, Hall talking about having pictures of him and all of his friends, like when they're hanging out with famous people or at different places around the world, like that's equally egotistical. It's just cool to Scott Hall. So it doesn't strike him the same way. So, you know?
0: yeah. So like there, there's a chance that it is that Scott Hall is completely right in the way that he, get, that he, cause he knew, he knew Bret Hart. I don't. So yeah. like there's a chance he nailed it and Bret is just completely full of himself and everything else looks like sweet and, and like modern and minimal and all that shit around his house. And he's just got gaudy pictures of himself all over the place yeah. and jerks off to him at night. But like there's also a chance that he just doesn't know what the fuck to put on his walls because he's a tough wrestling guy from from Canada who was raised in a dungeon. He was raised yeah. in a dungeon, Dusty. <laughs> right. Have you he's... seen the dungeon? I've seen pictures yeah. of the dungeon. It looks gross. It's yeah. got wood paneled walls. Ugh. Right. It's
1: gross. It's and, definitely and, and Bobby Heenan talk, said he said yeah. even
0: Bobby Heenan was like uh it was during the Owen Hart match during yeah. the 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 memorial match. He's like, I don't want to make light of things, but I've seen the rest of that house, the whole thing's a dungeon.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think there's also a Scott Hall clip, I couldn't find it where he said part of the reason he left WWF was because they weren't they were plateauing all of the pay and they were calling bret hart the four hundred thousand dollar a year champ it was like bret didn't care if he made any more money as long as he got to put everybody in the sharpshooter every night he could make 400 grand and he'd be happy and so so, it
0: like so it like capped you can't make more money than the champ
1: so the the champ's accepting four hundred (laughs) grand right and bret wouldn't go to like to bat to petition to make more money because if brett asked for more (laughs) money everyone else can ask for more money yeah but as long as brett got to put people in the sharpshooter every night he was happy being the four hundred thousand dollar old
0: simple brett he's a nut bro all he needs is a snowmobile and some maple syrup right yeah He's. i need to learn more things about canadians i go to the maple syrup thing all the time (laughs) snowmobiles a new one i think
1: (laughs) mooses yeah
0: i need some moose horns i don't know i'll workshop it
1: Various mooses and a, um, a,
0: a blubber jacket
1: <laughs> <laughs> with the with the the Sergeant Pepper pads still in it. The Sergeant, the, Pepper, the Sergeant Pepper, Pepper jacket's one of the best burns I've ever heard. That's yeah, very it was fun. good,
0: and it is. That's what it is. It's like a fucking marching band jacket, but yeah. like that was the thing. Like it was so easy to find a distinct uh, picture of Shawn Michaels to do a silhouette on for the promo i could not find a picture of bret hart that wasn't just a blob like that if you made it a silhouette it's just a like a wide-shouldered
1: man you know what i yeah. mean so i no, had to the, put like the, the glasses, glasses are on his it. yeah the glasses are really his uh, moment of truth you know and the,
0: the glasses wouldn't center so it, because of the, the the nature of the program i'm using i'm not going to get into yeah. the minutiae but uh so it looks like he's looking like slightly to the left and it bugs the. Sh- I never want to see it again.
1: <laughs> but like, uh, like that Mitch the joke where he's like, my sister oh, yeah. thinks that I'm weird, but I think she's weird. She's got a whole bunch of pictures of her and her family and everybody's looking slightly to the left. <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. so we wanted to oh. do that. That's a good, a good little uh, uh, primer. We wanted to do a bit of his bio dusty wrote down a bio for brett hart and then we'll get into the matches that we watched does that sound good dusty
1: sounds good to me so, to get down on this bio uh Bret the hitman hart was born july 2nd 1957 he's the eighth child out of 12 from canadian wrestling royalty Stu and helen hart uh brett was an amateur wrestling stand too many
0: kids sorry too many fucking kids don't have that many kids Stu.
1: Uh, I mean, it's the 50s, so you assume some of them are going to be stricken down by by il- by illnesses we have vaccines against it,
0: now. Stu's like, I can't believe none of them got the rickets. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, not a polio for the one of you.
0: I got to pay for 12 of these motherfuckers. There's only so much maple syrup on the planet, okay?
1: <laughs> they In the Wrestling with Shadows documentary, Helen Hart is like, uh, Stu was gone a lot, you know, but it seemed like every time he was home, he'd put his, be- his he'd put his pants on the bedpost, and I'd turn up pregnant or some some something to that effect. but like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, Helen.
0: Helen was a boree, <laughs>
1: bro. uh Brett was an amateur wrestling standout before beginning professionally for uh, Stu's wrestling promotion Stampede in 1976 as a referee, before transitioning to wrestling in 1978. Uh, trained by Japanese legends Mr. Haito and Mr. Sakurado, uh, Brett made a name for himself with matches against Dynamite Kid, Bad News Allen, while also doing jobs willfully so that he could prove he wasn't just riding on the coattails of his father. He would later say, No one could take a shit kicking like Brett Hart. Uh, his career really took off in 1984 when the WWF bought Stampede Wrestling and absorbed some of their better talent, including Brett and the British Bulldogs, uh, Davey Boy Smith, and Dynamite Kid. Uh, Hart initially struggled, but then found his way with Jim the Anvil Neihart as part of the tag team, the Hart Foundation, with manager Jimmy Hart. The team would go on to win the WWF tag titles twice, between 1985 and 1991, once as a heel team and then once as a babyface team, before breaking up in 1991 after losing the tag titles to the Nasty Boys at WrestleMania Seven. Uh, start mark favorites the nasty boys
0: sons of bitches yeah. now staples in the Idell wrestling federation that's
1: right uh, so after the breakup Hart began his run in the WWF as a singles wrestler that would be one of the most decorated uh, in history and make him one of the most beloved figures both here and abroad Brad talks a lot about uh, he had big drawing power in the UK and India and Canada as well as the US which is one of the reasons that he was their top star for a long time so Uh, He would win the Intercontinental title twice between 1991 and 1992, including a match where he stole the show against Rowdy Piper at WrestleMania eight. The biggest moment in his career would come on October 12th, 1992, when he defeated Ric Flair in his home country of Canada on his way to winning the title for a record setting five times between 1992 and 1997, while also having feuds and matches with diesel, the undertaker, Shawn Michaels, Jerry Lawler, and perhaps his greatest rival, his younger brother, Owen. In 1996, after losing the WWF title to Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 12, Brett took time off and nearly jumped to WCW before choosing to resign with the WWF, agreeing to a 20-year, quote-unquote, lifetime contract. Uh, Let me know how that one works out.
0: Yeah. Those lifetime contracts are always a good idea. (laughs)
1: yeah it's a real bitch uh upon hart's return he would begin a feud with the man who would be his last great rival stone cold steve austin uh with the changing attitudes in the fan base and the rise of austin as an anti-hero the two put on one of the greatest matches in wrestling history at wrestlemania 13 resulting in a double turn and the greatest run in hart's career on the mic as a canadian hero character while also reforming the Hart foundation with Owen, the British Bulldog, Jim Neihardt, and Brian Pillman. For more on that, check out season one.
0: Yeah, it was good. It was good. Uh, Brian Pillman in a dress.
1: Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, 97 would be the last great run for Brett's career. After the famous Montreal Screwjob, Brett signed with WCW, but was lost in the shuffle, put through endless face and heel turns, seemingly at random before his career was uh, abruptly ended by an errant kick from Bill Goldberg uh at 1999's Starcade event while brett's run in wcw was less than desirable he did still have great matches with rick flair chris benoit and booker t uh in the end brett hart is best remembered as a wrestler who was a great tactician and a great storyteller in the ring brett paved the way in the 90s for smaller more athletic wrestlers to make their way to the top of the card and when given the chance he showed that he exemplified the moniker of the best there is the best there was and the best there ever will be
0: hell yeah good job thanks man uh what it really sucks that 1997 was basically the end like it sucks that first of all obviously it sucks ultimately what happens with bill goldberg uh being stupid but um handing over bret hart to eric bischoff like I just don't get it, man. I, well, I get it. I get why it happened. I mean, we watched why it happened, but like I'm I'm really bummed. There is no wrestling god, is what I'm saying. If there was a wrestling god, Bret Hart would have stuck around and done some shit. But the thing is though, like we talk about, we've said it a million times. Like, what would he have done in that era of wrestling? Like, I yeah. guess you could have done feuds, but they wouldn't have stood out really. I mean, they or maybe they stood out because they didn't, they don't, they're not something crazy. But yeah, I um,
1: I yeah. think uh Vince even said, like, uh, whenever he let Brett negotiate with WCW, they're gonna have no idea what to do with you over there, yeah. And that turned out to be true because I'm surprised WWE... Brett didn't
0: see that. I wonder if he didn't watch WCW or something.
1: Well, I think he, one, he could tell he was getting he was having the squeeze put on him, like, he doesn't know that Sean's gonna get injured and go away in a couple of months, and maybe Sean doesn't have that match with Undertaker, doesn't get hurt. If things don't happen the way that they happen, but like there's so much tension there. Like he's got to do something. He's got to go somewhere, you know, like him and Sean at that point couldn't coexist with each other. Yeah.
0: And there's and- no, there's really nowhere else, I guess. Um, unless he wants to go to like Japan. I don't know if Japan was giving out a lot of money back then, but that doesn't seem like something he'd want to do. It seems like he wants to be in front of this North American audience. Uh, Cause that's just what he loves doing. It's. um yeah
1: when he spent the greater part of, you know, almost 20, almost 15 years at that point as like a fixture on TV in the U S. Like, yeah. And he probably figures I can go over there and hall and Nash and Hogan and Savage and staying. And like, there's guys for him to work with over there. I was excited whenever it was announced because there's a, now there's a whole crop of new guys for him to work with and feuds for him to revisit. They just, I don't think that he realized the politics were as big a deal as they were there. Because the match is Hogan versus Brett, if you're going to do it. Like, right whenever he comes over after being screwed, why isn't Bret Hart the biggest baby face in your company? Like, Yeah,
0: and they come in and they they make him the the referee the special guest referee for that match and like
1: (laughs) right he looks like a doofus from the start because there's no fast count nobody got screwed and now he's here you know and then they had him wrestle mr perfect again and rick flair uh were his first two big pay-per-view matches in wcw he doesn't have any feuds he doesn't end up wrestling hogan he ends up joining the nwo for some reason uh and then he's just mid-card Brett the hitman heart
0: because because like we talk about with WCW, um, they they made the the factions the big stars, and everybody else was like a tool of the factions, unless you were like Hogan, um, or Holland Nash, you know. So, Brett wasn't going to work in terms of like going in and being Bret Hart in WCW. That just was not going to work. Uh, they they don't they don't book that way. They don't allow for um, the type of build that Brett would need in terms of like the match quality and the uh, not being some zany. Oh, I'm just, I'm doing this for because everybody who is against the NWO was inherently wrestling for WCW. Um, That's how, that's how they set it up. That's how they set it up with the millionaires club too. It's like either you're wrestling for the insurgents or you're wrestling for the company and Brett, would have made no sense to come over in what it all, everything that had happened to him and join NWO. But it also makes no sense for him to wrestle for WCW because he's never been here before. So like he's going to come in and just back up this new organization for what? That's not why he wrestles. He wrestles to compete. So like to, to it would have felt foreign to to weave. Well, I did feel, feel foreign to try to weave Bret Hart into this whole horseshit blender that they've built. You know what I mean?
1: Well, and when he joins the NWO, he joins Hulk Hogan's side of the NWO to eliminate the "Why aren't Bret Hart and Hulk Hogan wrestling against each other?" Uh, yeah. <laughs> thing because they're on the same side. But like, why does Bret care about the NWO? Why does he care about the war, the internal war between the two NWO factions? He wasn't there for that, so it it's just all mismatched. And it's terrible. And it also sucks right as they were kind of getting him on track or as on track as you could get. uh, Owen passed away and then he came back and then Russo took over and then he got hurt. And it's like all of 1998 is basically a wash. There's some good DDP matches in there. There's some good, there's some decent wrestling matches, but he also talked about he would show up to WCW Nitro tapings that they flew him into and then they'd have no match for him like they they wouldn't have him on the show. He would just be flying there for no reason. And Rick Flair had also said like the only thing in this company you can be proud of is if they give you segments, go out and have good wrestling matches. That's all you can that's all you can hang your hat on here. They're going to stomp out your love of pro wrestling because none of it makes any sense from a wrestling standpoint. So well, yeah,
0: and if you come in with a legacy they don't give a fuck about that. Like they're yeah. not going to they're not going to they're not going to realize the promotional tool of uh, protecting a legacy because like a lot of times what you what a promotion should do in my opinion in my layperson opinion is if you have somebody who has a legacy fucking make money off that legacy like right like you know like rub the ego a little bit or like be like hey this is rick flair guys these yeah. are the four horsemen heard of them you know what i mean yeah. <laughs> but all they did was shit on them <laughs> well, which i think is funny but is well, not good wrestling promotion no. you know
1: um also, like, Brett comes over, he's just been screwed. Everybody knows he's been screwed. Yeah. His, his thing should be, what they tried to do, they fucked it up, but, like, Bret Hart, there's an evil, corrupt guy at the top of WCW, Eric Bischoff. He should be waging a war separate from the WCW guys against the corrupt power at the top, which leads to, guess what, a match with Hulk Hogan.
0: Yeah, but and you can know. you can build it to where like he he even if you want him to eventually be like have people who are on his side like you could have him be separate from the WCW guys and just fight for that fighting his own battles or whatever and then slowly he's he like somebody becomes runs in and backs him up at some point or something like that you know yeah. what I mean
1: or or they go that Bret Hart's a legend <laughs> I'm gonna help him out because yeah now he's here he's got enough pool none of us had enough pool to do it there's so much that you could have done. But, but they I, did squad it had to be incoher-
0: incoherent, incoherent didn't it? It
1: had to be WCW, but um, that is not what we're here for. We're here for the best, the yes. best of Bret Hart. <laughs> so, I'm
0: gonna run down the match list, uh, right. and then uh, we'll 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 jump back to the top and do it. So, the six matches that Dusty chose, remember, we are doing uh, Bret Hart at his peak in the 90s, um, minus 1997 because we already reviewed that year. Um, we have uh, Bret Hart versus Kurt Hennig, Mr. Perfect at SummerSlam in 1991. Uh, we have Hart versus Roddy Piper at WrestleMania 8, um, which I believe is 1992, right? Yes. Um, we have Hart versus Owen Hart at WrestleMania 10. Uh, we have Hart again versus Owen at um, for the WWF title at SummerSlam in 1994. Um, WrestleMania 10, also 1994. And then... Um, versus Diesel at Survivor Series in 95 and versus Chris Benoit at Nitro in October of 99, which is the uh, memorial match for his brother Owen after his untimely death. So starting with this Hennig match, um SummerSlam 91 Kurt Hennig broke ass back Kurt Hennig uh wrestling Bret Hart. Kurt Hennig is uh funny they call him mr perfect he's not a very good looking guy
1: (laughs) that might be aesthetics that you personally do not find uh...
0: i don't know man he's got good teeth but like his face looks like just a lump (laughs)
1: like (laughs) his. we gotta remember he wrestled quite a bit so yeah anyway
0: uh... and his hair gets fucked up and he looks like my grandma in 15 seconds of every match uh but uh you were right about the fact that hennig just fucking sold all over this match.
1: Yeah. Um, so for anybody who doesn't know, um, Kurt Hanning, Mr. Perfect, had a really bad back injury, probably from uh, the amount of bumps, creative, interesting bumps that he took in his career, uh, being the first real, or not the first real, but like a really good bumping heel for a lot of the guys. Um, so so this the, is the... the,
0: the flare- Blueprint,
1: yeah, and so he this is his last match until Survivor Series of 1992, so he takes almost a year and a half off because his back is so destroyed at this point. That's right, he's the Intercontinental Champion, and this is Bret Hart's first singles uh, title shot uh, at a pay per view, you know, because the Hart Foundation had broken up at WrestleMania 7 uh, the previous April, so this mm-hmm. is Bret's first real solo run. But perfect gives him a great match here. I also liked, did you see the pre-match interview with Mr. Perfect?
0: Um, I saw I don't though actually those things that you that those supplementals I didn't I didn't see. I forgot about okay. those. I um, saw the so, the lead up stuff on the on the actual card though.
1: Okay. So the uh, Kurt Henning cuts a really good promo backstage where he says like Bret Hart, they call you the excellence of execution. And while you may be excellent, you're not perfect. And tonight I'm going to show you the difference between excellence and perfection. It's uh, essentially. So, um, since this is the first time you've ever seen this match, what did you think of the match as a whole?
0: I thought it was really good. I thought it was a classic kind of, um, grueling Bret Hart. I mean, that's going to be a theme Bret Hart match where uh, like both guys are absolutely exhausted. There's a lot of twists and turns. Um, one thing I noticed is if you throw Bret Hart into the corner, he fucking hits the corner, dude. Like he yeah. shakes the ring when he hits the corner um, more than, I mean, him. And I think, I think Benoit did that too. Right. Where they just yeah, kind of like throw uh, themselves into the padding.
1: Yeah. Well, they do. They take that bump hard and then all of the Canadian guys, uh, Brett Owen and Benoit, they all take that chest first bump into the corner too. Where they oh just yeah. run Straight into it. Mm-hmm. That's like a big thing from Stampede Wrestling. Oh all. okay. Uh,
0: well, I, I like a lot of Stampede guys. Um, the uh, we've got um, so Hart got him in a crucifix at the beginning, and then later on he yeah. tried to get him into a crucifix again, and Perfect uh, reversed it and uh, took advantage from there, which I thought was really good. Um, and then uh, there was another part where uh, Brett grabs perfect and throws him like towards the corner and perfect like hits the ground and like slides all the way across the ring into yeah. the post
1: and crotches himself into the post. Yeah. But
0: that, yeah. that was so, I don't think I've seen anything like somebody slide like that. Yeah. Um, I, I, this was, this was my favorite Mr. Perfect match I've ever seen. Um, but I just wrote, this is a, this is a great, uh, wrestling match. Um,
1: it's- yeah, if you're going to try to, I mean, one of the main things is if you're trying to put one, uh, I think Mr. Perfect knew this was going to be his last match, if not ever, for a while.
0: He emptied the tank for sure.
1: Yeah. And he knows that, like, he's trying to put Bret Hart over big time because uh, Hart's the next guy. And I really liked, like you said, there's little callbacks throughout this whole match. Uh, whenever Hart gets the crucifix early, And then Perfect flips it into a Samoan drop. Essentially, the second time, yeah. And then um, just all the different selling that Mister Perfect does. There's a part after he's injured his back where Hart's kicking him in the hamstring, and Perfect's next to the rope, and he just keeps flipping like over himself every time Bret Hart kicks him in like a really exaggerated way. Yeah. Um. I also thought this match did follow the kind of classic. Um wrestling idea, which was the baby face takes advantage of the heel. One on one, the good guy is always superior, and it took like uh, Mr. Perfect had to cheat essentially to get advantages on Bret Hart. And every time that they were even, Bret Hart would have the advantage. Yeah. And so uh there's also a part where Hart's trying to get back in the ring and Mr. Perfect kicks the middle rope and essentially performs a low blow. Yeah, on him during that part. Uh, yeah.
0: And it was like casual. And, and that, that was the thing. Like you talk about the flow. It was like, I think if I remember correctly, it was like perfect, got momentum first, then heart got momentum. Then you were sure heart was going to win. And then you were sure perfect was going to win. And then it flipped and heart eventually won. Like there were, there were a couple times where I actually doubted the, the winner of this match. Um, I had a feeling because I remember you telling me that that Hennig doesn't wrestle for a while. I had a feeling that Hart went over, but there were a couple times where I actually believed that Kern Hennig might win this. This is a really good, really good wrestling match. Is is it Hennig that comes in with the coach?
1: Uh, Yes, because he used to be managed by Bobby Heenan, and then Heenan ended up going to the commentary booth, and so they brought the coach in for a little while as his, like, secondary manager.
0: Did you notice when... uh, So Bret Hart hits the coach. He punches him, Mm -hmm. and Heenan yells... He hit the coach, a man wearing glasses. I don't (laughs) believe this. You never hit a man wearing glasses.
1: Never hit a guy with glasses. Um, He needs his
0: glasses. uh, So this was a four-star match, according to Meltzer.
1: Yeah. um, I think it
0: deserved every bit of it, to be honest.
1: Yeah, I really liked, uh, like you said, one of Bret Hart's main things is that he seems to come up with counters. Like, he, he seems like that. Uh, they always talk about the the chess the the computer uh, chess thing that like learns while you play. Oh yeah, you know like Bret Hart or Floyd Mayweather. Like he takes in all your information and then like downloads it and then comes up with the way to beat you. So like Bret, uh there's a part where Hinning goes for like a leg drop to the abdomen, and he's got Bret Hart's legs up and he hits him with a leg drop, and then he bounces up and then he does it again, and then the third time Hart grabs his leg. And then twists him up and then flips him into the sharpshooter, which yeah. looked really, really cool. And then that's the finish. Uh, and Bret Hart ends up winning the Intercontinental title uh, for the first time to a pretty big response from uh, the crowd in New York City. So,
0: yeah, yeah, it was, it, there was a big pop. I mean, because the, the match built so well that I think, um, I think it was a really good, I mean, perfect really put Hart over here. Like he genuinely did his job. Um, which was awesome, especially yeah. considering knowing how injured he was. It was awesome to see how much he sold, especially like some, a lot of things he did were not, it's not like he was protecting his back this whole time. This dude was flipping and flopping all over the place. And he, uh, I mean, after, after heart beats him, heart rips his fucking uh, singlet off and like it was weird, yeah. but it was great. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. I really enjoyed this match and I enjoyed going back and watching it. There's also a really good, According to Meltzer, there's a higher-rated match that these two guys had at King of the Ring 93, but I picked this one because it seemed to be more important to like the history of Bret Hart as a competitor to yeah, win the yeah. Intercontinental title. Yeah, I think uh, that's
0: important, is, is is picking the the real landmark matches. They don't necessarily have to be the highest-rated. like rated
1: rate, Yeah. Um, and so, like Andrew said, this was a four-star match in uh, 18 minutes and four seconds. So imagine having your back so hurt that you can't wrestle after this and you wouldn't have an 18 minute match where you also have to do your finisher is doing a perfect plex, which involves doing a bridge uh, and, and nailing it. You know uh, there's also a very funny uh, commentary <laughs> moment where Bobby Heenan, uh, Mr. Perfect's up in the referee's face. And Bobby Heenan goes, "Don't hit that referee." And uh, Gorilla Monsoon says, "Why? If he hits him, he gets disqualified and keeps the belt." And then uh, Bobby Heenan goes, "Then deck him."
0: <laughs> uh, Heenan, man, Heenan was a uh, was a uh, he was great in all these. Uh, one thing I did notice is Hepner uh, he- is a is a constant presence. Earl Hepner yeah. is he might be the the referee for every single one of the matches you picked.
1: It's possible he was. Um,
0: it's at least four of them. I, I don't know if I noticed. All, all No, I think there's one that there's like a chubby guy with a mustache. But like Hebner is at least four of them of the six, which yeah. is like, it makes it so much worse.
1: <laughs> I know. That's why he, that's why he was like, oh, Earl Hebner would never betray. me. He'll take care of me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I really enjoyed this match. Um, next, we're on to Bret Hart versus Rowdy Ronda White Rousey. Puffin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. rowdy ronda rousey at (laughs) wrestlemania eight uh in the hoosier dome in indianapolis um i remember really enjoying this match when i was a kid and then um upon rewatch i enjoyed this one and i enjoyed the promo segment did you see this promo segment
0: yeah the promo segment was good uh they uh where they were like um at at one point they're talking shit to each other because they were there you said it was baby face versus baby face but rowdy roddy piper is rowdy so they're they're talking shit to each other and the whole time rowdy is just like slowly inching his hand behind his belt on his waist and uh Hart's like uh, i would have got you or something like that like they were gonna fight and piper pulls up a belt that was wrapped around his hand he's like no you wouldn't have (laughs) yeah It it was good
1: uh and then he's telling a story about whenever they were kids and how there was only uh ever like his mom would make bologna for bologna sandwiches for him there's only one piece of bologna and one piece of bread
0: yeah and i can't remember everything he was saying but he was like insinuating that Hart was like a stupid kid when he was growing up and like
1: he he wet the bed until whenever like all of this different stuff
0: you said Uh, that uh you in your text to me, you said that uh, Bret Hart lost that belt in two minutes at a house show because he was, quote unquote, sick. Yes. What's what's the story behind that?
1: Um. So it turned out that I believe Bret ha- there's two conflicting reports. There's one that he was going to W. he was thinking about going to WCW. This is
0: the IC title.
1: Yeah. So that he was thinking about going to WCW. So they just got the belt off of him on a house show. And then he resigned, and so they were gonna do this match. Who beat him
0: their, at the house show?
1: The Mountie. Uh, one the, of the, I, I don't think you've
0: the Mountie.
1: Yeah. So there's uh, these two oh, brothers, Jacques God. and uh, Jacques and Raymond Rougeau, and they repackaged Jacques Rougeau, I think, as the Mountie, who was a mounted. Canadian police. So you give to
0: another Canadian, they're like all Canadians are re- like replaceable. <laughs> well, you have it on one yeah. Canadian, you can just give it to another one. It's, it's yeah. the same shit.
1: All Canadians are at the IC title level.
0: Robert uh, Goulet is our next IC title yeah.
1: So, uh Jim Carrey. Then uh the Mountie has a song called uh his theme song was uh, I'm the Mountie. I'm handsome, I'm brave, I'm strong. <laughs> and I the said, Mountie I like that. <laughs> yeah. The Mountie always gets his man. Uh, and then uh, the mounted police of canada obviously were very upset at this so they had to change the gimmick and he came back with a tag team partner and they were the quebecers and their theme song was we're not the mounties <laughs> <which is laughs> such a
0: good that's also funny <laughs> yeah. So uh, the,
1: two, the two stories are he either was really sick and they just had to get the belt off of him because he couldn't be at the pay-per-view or he was thinking about going to WCW. So they took the title off of him. So uh, whichever one you want to believe, yeah, the Mountie beat him in like two minutes with a roll-up and then Rowdy Piper beat the Mountie at a at, uh, Royal Rumble 92.
0: I'm guessing it's the WCW thing. But, you
1: know. Yeah, it's probably the wcw thing yeah. um yeah the that promo where uh because first brett touches the icy title and piper's like keep your hands to yourself and then piper pushes brett and he's like why don't you keep your hands to yourself yeah and they're just going back and forth and the thing where he grabs him and goes to punch him is the best part where he's like i would have had you and then <laughs> rowdy piper pulls out this belt and he's like no you wouldn't yeah. not today yeah <laughs> uh So, this is uh, again a rare babyface versus babyface match between Roddy Piper and Bret Hart. Uh, Bobby Heenan's great again at the start of this match. They're doing a stare down, and Bobby Heenan just goes, Two ugly people just looking at each other.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Just a mensch, Bobby Heenan. I I wanted to point out Reba McIntyre sang the national anthem before this uh, at the beginning of this event. Yeah. My mom looked so much like Reba McIntyre. It is insane.
1: I could. Yeah, I could. She had that. the same
0: haircut at that time. Yeah. Like it, it, it the same type of make like exactly looked like my mom. It was crazy, but it's uh,
1: very uh, it was very popular at the time. very
0: of the period. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, this is this is a, I, I love that you picked this match because this is my, one of my favorite things. It's very hard for me to define this or to put it into words. But Bret Hart's like internal pace is different um in meaning most of his matches are like at a uh at a very steady but not very fast pace you know what i mean like i I, i'd probably really annoy people if i started clapping in the microphone to 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 (laughs) show like the difference between like there's a difference in beats per minute between owen hart and roddy piper yeah. They're complete contrast to each other. And I think you always see that in Hart's matches, but it's even more apparent when he's wrestling somebody like Roddy Piper, this intense person that just wants to go fast when Brett is just really methodical and really like all of his matches seem to go at the same pace. You know what I mean? So this is like a, yeah. an ultimate battle of internal paces that I really
1: enjoyed. Well, and I enjoyed like uh, this match has a very, and this will be an ongoing thing. It has a very good internal story, yeah. Like where Brett is kind of being a heel, like he's doing all these sort of things to try to outsmart Rowdy Piper because he knows Rowdy Piper's uh, crazy like a fox and is wily. So there's a part where Brett like throws a drop kick, and then he pretends that he popped his shoulder out in the meantime, and babyface Rowdy Piper is concerned. Uh, for Brett and then nearly gets small packaged for the win because Brett is doing whatever he has to do to win the belt which is what he said in his promo and he's sort of uh, he's taking advantage of the fact that this Rowdy Piper is not the wild man Rowdy Piper that he was you know like and I think that that is a really interesting way to have this match also the big thing in this match is uh, Piper busts Bret Hart open uh off of theoretically uh, uh punch to the to the eyebrow uh but brett bladed which was a big time no-no at the he time
0: he was very much bleeding <laughs> yeah <laughs> he bled he,
1: a he lot bla- <laughs> he bladed and didn't get in trouble because they couldn't particularly pinpoint the exact moment that he bladed because he's very good at it and he said that he did it up near his hairline where it looks like it could really happen on accident. If somebody punched you, you know, and, or it was like a stiff shot, then it could happen. Whereas normally you bleed right from the center of your forehead, which like that's never going to, that rarely occurs, you know? So mm-hmm. uh, they couldn't get him later on in the show. Ric Flair bladed uh, and got in trouble and got fined a big amount of money because Ric Flair only blades the way Ric Flair does. <laughs> and they were like, come on, dude. Very clearly,
0: yeah. Brett ch- talked a bunch of shit about how Ray Flair bladed, uh, yeah. in, in his I think in his book or something like that. Like said that he yeah. was a really, uh, basically irresponsible blader.
1: Yeah, that he was very sloppy in the way he did it. But they so then of course now there's more sympathy on Brett, and the whole match is built around this thing where like, does Piper go in for the killer blow and use his killer instinct, or is he trying to be a good guy? And in the end, being a good guy catches him because Hart is able to beat him because uh piper (laughs) there's a ref bump and piper goes to get the bell to whack bret hart with it but he's conflicted about it the whole time
0: did you hear the heat when he was holding that bell looking around that fucking crowd was going crazy like bret hart looks like the guy who whoops your stepdad's ass when he gets too aggressive with your mom at home depot (laughs) or some shit you know what i mean like when you like he's nobody's getting nobody's better like you said nobody takes a shit kicking better than bret hart that's uh i wrote like nobody gets battered better than bret hart like yeah and he yeah. garners sympathy the entire time so if you're beating bret hart's ass like people are just like come on bret like get up man you know what yeah. i mean and it this looks bat, this match was 20 years ago or 30 yeah. years ago and i'm sitting there going get up bret come on yeah. man.
1: <laughs> come on bret there's actually somebody in the crowd uh I've made a note. Someone in the crowd yells, come on, Brett. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Um, So Piper goes to use the bell and Bobby Heenan's trying to egg him on the whole time. Hit him. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, you know, the old saying, what the hell use the bell. (laughs) uh, So Piper throws the belt away and or the bell away and decides to slap the sleeper on him. And then Brett walks up the ropes and reverses it to uh, pin Rowdy Piper in 13 minutes and 51 seconds on again, like a cool roll up reversal using the other guy's move against him. Yeah. Uh, it seems like a really lot good. of
0: times uh, he maybe even as a, as a person, like, like as a coworker or something, when he, he you know how, when, if you're watching wrestling with a guy who's not like a wrestling, a wrestling fan, if somebody does, does a move, that's like not believable, they'll be like, why didn't he just fucking just drop down? like or why, why don't you just do <laughs> right. the, like stick his leg there or something yeah. um it seems like bret hart listens to those people and does that yeah and then if he doesn't do that he may he he doesn't he doesn't do it in a believable way meaning like maybe he's too hurt to think about it or he's too exhausted to move or anything like that but like if he's fresh yeah. and you put some of that hunky shit on him he's gonna do what the what the common sense would tell you you should do in a situation like that to get out of whatever move, you know?
1: Yeah. Like the, why wouldn't you just bite mankind's fingers? (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Just bite his hand. Uh, 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 That is a three and a half star match.
1: Yeah. I really enjoyed uh, this match at the time and it's the first uh, pinfall loss for Rowdy Piper in the WWF. Since he came back in like 1985 and all of his runs since then, he, he never got pinned. So like Hogan never beat him clean. Uh, and he, he gave this to Bret Hart. Cause again, he like that promo rings true to some degree. He does respect Bret Hart. Yeah. And this helped again, make Bret Hart of his two. Those are his two intercontinental title runs. And he could see that, like you said, the crowd was so into Bret Hart and wanting him to win. That like you could see that he could be elevated to the next level,
0: an absolute major league heat for that for that match, and that's yeah. that's Piper and Hart. Like you you've got the the best of both worlds in terms of how to generate heat, and it was just perfect. It was like I said, like I said, three and a half star match, but it was like in terms of crowd reaction, that's in in the fours easy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So we move on.
1: Yeah, um, we got Brad Hart versus Owen Hart opening the show for WrestleMania 10 um and i i love all of this man this whole angle is so well put together the video package that they do for this at the beginning explaining the the brett and owen story is really really good um i thought owen showed a lot of personality in this match like leading up to it all of his like i was in the shadow and you always thought you were better but i'm really better than you and i'm going to show it and the way he calls him brother is so like hurt and you know, I'm going to beat you brother and
0: and they, like, they both do that but but uh Brett doesn't like I'm going to beat you brother and yeah. and and Owen's like I'm going to beat you brother yeah <laughs> like, Owen was the perfect little brother like in the, yeah. when his voice and the way that he delivered everything the fact that he's blonde and Brett's brown-headed like I think that yeah. even added to it like he's the baby boy you know what I mean yeah. I, I love Owen Hart like Owen was fucking so good he was so yeah. athletic he moved around so well but he was also such a little like he's such a good little shit you know what i mean when in in this feud like he was good at, in other ways in uh, in uh, other times in his career but in this feud he was such a good like annoying little brother who yeah. was just fucking sick of it like i'm just ready to beat your ass and be the man you know yeah. so like uh, i thought it was great i have a question that i wrote i should have asked you before but um uh who came up with the hitman gimmick like with the glasses and the pink and all that stuff you know uh,
1: i think that was brett because when okay. he first came to wwf they wanted him to be cowboy bret hart <laughs> and he was like and ride a horse to the ring and all yeah. that and he's like, but i'm like i'm not a cowboy <laughs> like and he's like where i'm from in canada if you're if you say you're a cowboy you better be a cowboy <laughs> like he's, he's like it's gonna look fake don't fucking gonna... kill me you don't yeah. understand vince <laughs> They will kill me. In Saskatchewan, they don't fuck around. (laughs) Uh, Manitoba? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You you think in Ontario, they just let this shit go? (laughs) So I think it was because uh, the hitman was because he's so precise, you know? And then he said that they wore pink to kind of make them stand out. Yeah. Because no, and it looks cool. Like it's an interesting aesthetic, but nobody else is going that way. Well, yeah, I,
0: I think it's dope. I'm just like, I think it's brilliant because and maybe they thought of it this way because Brett's personality was never really going to stand out in terms of like like we when we get to Sean, you know what I mean? But like putting him in hot pink, it's like that's one way to differentiate him from everybody else. And then you put the glasses on him and then you get the big jackets. And like it was it was a it's a cool it's it's like an all time iconic aesthetic, the Bret Hart aesthetic. So like I was just very curious where it came from.
1: And having the glasses to give to the kids like to give to a kid at ringside or whatever. Like yeah. that's a good. None of the move. kids look ever big... look
0: stoked to get those glasses. Have you noticed that?
1: Yeah. Well, the one kid here sticks his tongue out and Jerry Lawler laughs and says he's an Owen Hart fan.
0: He like put his arm You like he hung his arms down in front of him like a shitty like whining kid. And he put his, yeah. his shoulders up in the air and stuck his tongue out and put his head back. Yeah. Like it was one of the weirdest. All, none of these kids look like even the ones that don't do that are just like looking forward with the glasses on
1: yeah oh uh 10 year old me hot damn would i have been happy to get these 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 glasses i would try to kiss him yeah (laughs) it's uh so leading up to this uh brett and owen had been a tag team and royal rumble 93 and owen turned on brett after that match because uh brett hurt his knee and they had to call the match and owen the whole time is saying well you could have tagged me why didn't you tag me you're so selfish. That's why we're never going to be champions. And then he kicked Brett in the knee and it led to one of the more iconic uh, promos of all time where Owen says, and that's why I kicked your leg out from your leg.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, it's, a, it's a psycho sit moment.
1: <laughs> yeah. So then Brett and Lex Luger co-win the Royal rumble. And so they both have to have a They both have to wrestle twice at WrestleMania. So Brett wrestles Owen or they both would have had to wrestle twice. Uh, Lex Luger only wrestles once cuz uh, he lost his title match. But Brett wrestles Owen to open the show and then Brett main events the the show later. So uh and I just I fucking love this match, dude. i, yeah, I go back great. and watch this one a lot.
0: At the beginning at the beginning uh any small victory that Owen gets, he's celebrating <laughs> like he won the world series.
1: Yeah. And they do the thing where uh Brett gets an escape Uh, off of off of owen like owen has him in a in a waist lock and brett runs towards the ropes and throws owen out and owen jumps back in the ring and slaps brett in the face yeah and then later on uh owen does something to brett and brett jumps back in the ring and slaps owen and then it's like oh the shit's on now yeah and yeah i just uh brett did at this point, Brett's pretty well made. He'd already won the WWF title. He'd been king of the ring. He'd won those other championships. So a lot of this match feels like he's really trying to make Owen. Because Owen almost quit professional wrestling before they started this storyline. Because he was yeah. like, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. They're not doing anything with me. I'm never going to make it to the top to make really good money. And so oh, Brett pitched the brother versus brother thing. And they initially didn't want it to be Owen as the other brother they wanted to bring in Bruce Hart uh, one of Brett's other brothers and Jesus, he's like no. I just did not believe in Owen yeah he's like no it's it has to be Owen and Owen will do it the best and it turned out to work great because like oh this is a star making match for Owen Hart like he hits a he hits a tombstone standard edition not the I'm um, too low tombstone from years later oh he uh,
0: goes, he went to the knees
1: yeah, oh, I didn't did notice a jumping tombstone, uh, and then they trade sharpshooter reversals. Like they just it slow again. Like it starts at, at I don't all Bret Hart matches like you're talking about. They start at a pretty steady BPM,
0: yeah, and then it
1: slowly just builds over yeah. time. Yeah, like, well, it, it gets
0: bigger. It builds in in intensity and anticipation and drama. But it never it's it seems to stay at the same like working pace. You know what I mean? Like it's a more distinct pace in terms of like it's you're, you're maybe putting accents on the notes, but it's all at 60. B, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it gets it gets more and more like and they're they're selling injuries and they're continuing to sell them throughout. Like that's one thing that Brett was always great at. And and Owen does work really well here. Uh I think it's Owen gets in. a uh, He gets figure forward and then he and then he goes to pile drive uh, Brett, but he, his leg is still fucked up from the figure four. So he's like limping <laughs> yeah. into the pile driver, which was great. Um, there was a giant suplex off the top rope like. Uh, yeah, Bob, but... uh, I think I think is it I don't know if it's Bobby Heenan. I think it's the king in this one, right? Yeah, because yeah, he was shitting long. on Stu and Helen Hart for being old the whole match. Yeah. He's like he's like i heard helen hart was recently in the hospital this match is gonna put her back in there and then yeah one of the, one of the guys was uh, uh uh well i guess owen was about to hurt brett and he's like he's gonna have a room with helen
1: yeah <laughs> he's, he also said Stu couldn't be there in his orthopedic tuxedo yeah jerry lawler line yeah uh, and
0: then he but he uh he goes later on in the match. He's like, See, what Bret Hart should do here is quit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. Cause he's saying later on he's got to wrestle for the title. So he should just give <laughs> yeah, he up, should
0: just give up so that, his match.
1: <laughs> um, so uh, to the selling point, Bret's still selling his knee that he heard at the Royal Rumble. Cause he does a like a tope, a, like a dive over the top rope. And then he hits the floor and he starts selling his knee again. And oh, really? Like, yeah. It's like DDP's ribs. It's just exactly. a long term. Injury i love
0: recall. that shit man yeah. i love it like some guys can't sell an injury for a whole match
1: no and you know,
0: Bret hart uh, sold an injury for a year
1: <laughs> owen has like great exhausted face like he's in over his head and he knows that he is and now he's got to like pay the piper you know and, and he did he- really
0: well at like playing the frustrated bratty kid throughout yeah. it too
1: yeah um so the end of this match is brett goes for a victory roll out of the corner and then right and that was a bret hart thing that he had used to win some other matches so he had built this is like a secondary sort of finish and then owen blocks it and gets the pin and as soon as he kicks out you can see bret is so disappointed and owen can't believe what happened his (laughs) face is so good whenever the referee is raising his hand and he's so confused (laughs) that he won and then it kicks in and he's and he's so happy uh so did brett brett went on and fought for the
0: title that night
1: yeah brett wins the belt uh, at the end of the night
0: that's crazy i i this was a who who do you you think's gonna win situation for me because it's like Brett is scheduled for a title match later this this evening. He can still kind of not put his brother over, but he could still like um, really help his brother by having a great match here, which he does. Uh, they're they're going to just have him win the match. Uh, and then I was like, what the... F-? I wrote, Brett got pinned by his brother the night he was supposed to fight for the title.
1: <laughs> yeah. So Brett wins the title from Yokozuna later that night, and all the wrestlers come into the ring to celebrate and then Owen is standing in the aisleway watching oh, the shit. celebration with his arms crossed and Macho Man has the ropes open and he's like uh, like asking here. yeah he's like come on man just co-. and Owen just standing in the middle of the aisleway just giving his brother Is he in street guys. clothes? No, he's in his wrestling gear still. He's still in his gear. And he's Eddie's uh he later you know later he uses it in the promos he's like that was the biggest night of my life and again you you stole you stole it from me because at the end of the night, you have the belt. But I beat you. you oh, know?
0: yeah. It's like that's a good, it's, that's uh, a good. That's that's great storytelling. Um, yeah.
1: And he's. uh
0: I, I want to see a picture of him. <laughs> fucking bummed out. standing. Yeah. So I love Owen Hart, man. I just uh,
1: love it owen immediately gets a post-match interview. Uh, did you see that? Like they go to the back with Todd Pettengill and Owen does a promo right after uh, he wins. But he's he's got like spit like in the corner of his mouth. Cause I think he's probably got cotton mouth Yeah, from wrestling. Uh, Cause this match was 20 minutes, 20 minutes, 21 seconds. And he's got like a little bit of just spit at the corner of his mouth while he's talking. And he's like, I wouldn't take anything away from Brett, but I'd be very surprised after the beating. I just gave him if he's going to make it to a title match later tonight. And uh, that was great. a hard, that was hard fought, but I'm the winner. You know, and I'm I'm gonna be the champion. It's it's so good. And yeah. this this is a four and a three-quarter star match. What do you want, Meltzer? What's the quarter? What quarter J- of this Japan. is not good? It's not good. Yeah. we're in the Tokyo Dome. If that uh, was if that was Darby Allen and
0: MJF, that's a six-star match. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: so the so Brett and Owen's feud continues. Um uh, into the summer of course and it culminates at WrestleMania or at SummerSlam uh, of that year SummerSlam 94 in a steel cage match they have to finally uh, settle in in a cage and this is one of the best cage matches of all time also because they were not allowed to do blood uh, uh, Okay, which is like Makes a cage match so much more difficult, uh. But the <clears throat> um Brett oh Owen also gets uh Jim Thielemannville Nyhart as his second because Nyhart comes back and then turns on Brett at King of the Ring in 1994 the King of the Ring that Owen Hart wins so now Owen's the King of Hearts.
0: Fuck yeah, um, dude. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, uh, and then I sent you some stuff and then there's a video package as well. I don't know if you saw some of the stuff leading up to this, but I thought like Bret Hart gets knocked a lot for his promos. Um, but I thought his promos here were good. Like,
0: they, yeah, they were some of the best promos I've seen him do where he's like talking about this isn't something that I'm proud of. I wish we didn't have to do this, but we have to do this now. Like it, 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 Owens crossed the line basically.
1: Yeah, he's like, who would who would want to fight his brother in a steel cage? Like nobody's happy about this. At the end of the night, you Kane. know, yeah, it's barbaric. All of this different stuff. It's <laughs> it's very well done, and it's like, it is the type of storyline that's very easy for people to get into. And yeah, he goes, "I'm going
0: to beat you, brother," and I just hope after it's all said and done that you can live with it. Yeah, he's like goddamn.
1: Uh, <laughs> but he does call it the SummerSlam. <laughs> He, he, <laughs> yeah, he did it He did it again. He did, he did, it, again. He did
0: God yeah. damn it, he did call it the SummerSlam. Um,
1: this, this Monday at the SummerSlam.
0: <laughs> I love was. I love that uh so the first matchup, Owen was celebrating little victories, like we talked about. Like he'd he'd trip up Brett and and celebrate, or he'd 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 land something and he'd celebrate at the beginning of the match. Cause you and that like almost projected the own doubt that he had in himself. Yeah. Um in this matchup, I mean, he won the last one, so he comes out aggressive and powerful at the beginning, um, yeah. and he's beaten Brett up pretty good. And Brett's hurt, and this is there's another like Brett Hart thing. Like Brett's hurt, and he gets up, and he headbutts Owen, but he collapses, yeah, because he's so exhausted and beat up already. Um, I love I love the little stuff like that. Um, the this is one of the better examples of them of the hearts. Brett specifically um trying to be realistic in wrestling because there are a couple you can't do a well, it's very hard to do a good un- fully believable steel cage match. Um, but they did their best at it in this one. Um, they anytime one of them had a chance to go for the door or try to climb, they did. Yeah. Um, and they literally probably what 30 times somebody yeah. tried to get out of that fucking thing and like. They were Pete Rose diving at the door, and they were crawling and beating the shit out of each other on the ground right next to the open door. And like, um, uh, the one thing I wish wouldn't have happened, and I, I know you you kind of got to do it to build the the drama, is when the guy is on the other side of the of the fence and he yeah. could just jump off the cage, but you touch him on the top of the head and he climbs his ass back on back into the cage well, every time. He's got
1: he's got him by the hair, dude. Yeah, just you know, fucking you lose your hair or. Over... Just...
0: There's there's so many opportunities. Yeah. You're gonna <laughs> but- be the champ.
1: Yeah the the only one that's really tough because they do a lot of that like diving for the door and making it look like a real struggle.
0: They did a real good job of that. Like they beat the shit out of each other down there. And we're really looking yeah. like they were trying to to like scratch and crawl their way out of the out of the.
1: And then even some of the time on the over the top escapes. Yeah. It was like you know he's grabbing him by the by the seat of his singlet so like then he can't get away. Yeah or like, like they're both stand- to pull him back up
0: or like you know? they're both standing on top of the on the top rope but Brett kicks Owen just complete clear off the top rope like yeah um and then there was a there was a time when I think I wrote it down where yeah uh uh cuz they keep like they just keep trying to climb which is what a steel cage match should be you should un- yeah. unless like I understand like oh I really hate this guy so I want to fuck him up a little bit and there's a little bit yeah. of a wrestling match in there I get that but like you should they should always be trying to go for like tr- always be trying to uh, accomplish the goal of the match you know what i mean yeah. so like like, like
1: glen Gary, glen ross always be closing always abc
0: oh. <laughs> always be closing you want that coffee you, you need brass balls but yeah. uh coffee by the way anybody who hasn't seen that yeah um but uh there's a part where they're they're building all this where they keep trying to escape and brett uh gets up to climb over the top and he's like he's start, he's starting to get up towards the top and owen gets up to try to help to try to stop him but he's too exhausted and fucked up so he like gets up and then immediately falls right back down <laughs> yeah and it was that great.
1: gets a great crowd re- like they're really good at toying with the emotion of the crowd oh yeah and they have thing. so like, much
0: chemistry together man so much well
1: chemistry. there's another part where uh owen yanks brett from the cage Uh, to the mat and then now he's free if he wanted to to climb over the thing but he's so exhausted and he falls off the cage and then crotches himself on the (laughs) rope and falls back into the room like a believable reason yeah like what do you do now how would brett stop him after he just got thrown in there's a bunch of great spots in this thing owen hits another awesome looking pallet driver nearly batting a thousand on pallet drivers
0: yeah it's the (laughs) the one that gets you one (laughs) drop of spider venom (laughs) snake venom will get you yeah
1: Uh, uh he hits an awesome missile drop kick like the differences between brett and owen also complement their sameness oh 100 they're
0: they're they're totally different from each other it's great
1: but they're both so technically sound it's just owen like you said you can tell was more athletic oh he's an insane naturally athletic
0: like the the he gets into the ring i think i think for the first match and he gets on the top rope and just jumps up in the air and lands on his feet in the middle of the ring and like I thought about what that would do to my knees <laughs> even when I was younger, you know what I mean? Like I would have been Ray Mysterio. Uh, yeah. Have you seen, have you seen the South park where uh, Kyle gets, uh, he, he gets taller because they put, and they put testicles in his knees. <laughs> no, I he, he wants that. to play basketball and he dunks a basketball and both the testicles just explode in his <laughs> knees. <laughs> That's what would have happened. Yeah. Uh, but, but, there there's parts where like literally like genuine dangerous spots like owen falling like he fell and crotched himself he also fell at one point he fell and hit his legs on the ropes and just like flipped onto the ground uh that was crazy and um there's a part where they're both like on the top rope trying to climb and owen punches brett and they both like just fall to the ground um and like they the these guys uh the spatial awareness and their the awareness of their body to not get hurt in a lot of ways that they did but this might be my favorite cage match ever was a big blue cage
1: yeah well and they eliminate a lot of the things that make cage matches crummy which is like just throwing dudes into the cage the whole time because they could not just a
0: bunch of yeah there's no interference in this one that's yeah
1: right well and they couldn't do the like well, I'll just grind your head into the cage or I'll just throw you into the cage a whole bunch because they they couldn't do blood. So they had to, Brett always talked about, like, we had to come up with creative spots. And so our thing was, what if you were just really trying to get out the whole time? What if that were the whole point of the match is uh, instead of what is supposed to be ostensibly the, uh, the goal is to get out but you spend so much time in there beating the crap out of the other guy for no reason. What if all of the damage came from us trying to get out of the cage the whole time?
0: Yeah. And And I thought that was brilliant. And it was very apparent and that I was like, that was how they wanted to do it. Like I could tell a few minutes into this match, Oh, they're actually going to fucking do what people would do if they were in a cage match. Like most of the time in wrestling cage matches, they, uh, it just becomes like a brutality thing. Like uh, way
1: too much time in the cage. If you're trying to get out of the cage
0: and and yeah, nobody's trying to get out of the cage. There's always somebody else that gets into the cage. Like there's always interference and horse shit. Like when this was, I mean, uh, we'll, we'll say Dave Meltzer gave this five stars. I think it deserved it. This is one of the best, if not the best, probably the best cage match I've ever seen. And it was believable. Like they were both genuinely trying to get out of the cage the whole time. And, i mean there were a couple spots where like like i said like one guy gets on the other side of the ring and the i mean on the other side of the cage wall and he he could just drop down but the other one just throws his hand over and like touches the other guy in the head and he has to climb all the way back up over and stuff like that that like um the little things but it's not it you know how often that happens in the normal shitty cage matches we watch like the, 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 the it's not that bad and the but everything else was so perfect that um this is probably my favorite match we watched, I yeah. think.
1: And probably the biggest, the most iconic thing from this match is Brett does a giant superplex to Owen off the top of this cage which <laughs> crazy. is insane.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was crazy.
1: Like and I've I've heard Brett talk about, you know, like all he thought about was having to protect Owen. Yeah. On that fall all, all the way down and then based on the way Owen died, like how terrible it must have been, like it's uh it changes the way that i look at the spot here and can talk about it but also just a great like wrestling spot to put in this match
0: oh yeah, yeah. like and- because you had You had all of the the storytelling of the trying to get out, the grueling stuff, the the beating the shit out of each other on the ground, genuinely like kicking each other in the face and shit on the ground, trying to get out of that cage. And that gave you most of your excitement. But you then added a giant marquee, big wrestling spot, spectacle spot um, that just put it over the top. Like it was, this is art. This was fantastic.
1: Yeah. Um, The end of this thing comes, they both get over the top and they're on the other side and they're fighting and then Brett slams Owen's head into the cage and Owen gets his legs caught so then he's hanging upside down in the cage and Brett jumps down and then that's how they end it and this is a 32 minute match and I was and I've seen this match a bunch of times I was thoroughly entertained again like, yeah I was so, entertained the
0: whole time there so there this wasn't a bad this is long thought but I did like towards the end I was like fuck this is a long match <laughs> but well, yeah, I did you, enjoy all of it
1: yeah. At one point you're like, how much more, like it's more concerned, like how much more could they po- could they possibly do to each other?
0: Well, and I feel like it's, it's super dangerous for Owen to get his leg stuck in a cage like that. Um, but uh, yeah, he got one, like, I think it was one leg stuck in the cage and just like fell. And he was like leaning backwards with his leg stuck in the cage upside yeah. down, like uh, crawl in, uh, in, in <laughs> son-in-law when, when the dad walks into his uh into the resident advisor's room yeah. you know what i'm talking about
1: yes that's uh I'm resident
0: advisor <laughs>
1: <The> crab wasn't
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. uh crotch <laughs>
1: so uh so uh, so after this match this of course is like there's a whole family drama before yeah,
0: owen's pissed <laughs> yeah they they
1: interview <laughs> brett or they interview british bulldog and the other family members and then uh they have bruce hart out there the coolest heart in his sunglasses all the time and oh, then yeah. Jim. and
0: yeah uh, just so the british bulldog is in the in the crowd this entire yes. match
1: jacked to the gills and
0: swagged like, up he yeah. is jacked and he is swagged up he's a yeah. funky looking dude just like fucking mr perfect <laughs>
1: yeah he's uh they and then they have oh uh the funniest thing was jim nyhart sitting out there with the rest of the family who also hate him (laughs) which i thought was like that's such a boss move to like not care about the opinion of the other people and just be like i can sit here i'm allowed to sit here Dude,
0: Neidhart looks straight out of central california he he looks he looks like he, he hangs out at the fucking uh what's that bar in exeter
1: oh the stag
0: the stag yeah. he hangs out at the stag <laughs> he,
1: uh he also was played by jack black in a biopic if they ever do a breath the hitman heart biopic jack black has oh
0: because be. the eyebrows yeah the eyebrows <laughs> big,
1: eyebrow, big eyebrow energy if he gets the goatee going you know it's a whole thing yeah
0: i can definitely uh, see that.
1: so after the match <laughs> what it reminded me of was do you remember in the big lebowski where they're in the diner and uh Walter is cursing and the lady comes over and asks him to keep it down and he's like uh, actually the Supreme Court has roundly rejected prior restraint my buddies didn't die face down in the mud so blah 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 and then uh, the dude gets up and he's like fuck it and he leaves and then Walter's sitting there and he's like I'm finishing my coffee (laughs) I'm finishing my coffee that's Jim the Anvil Neihardt's energy he's like I'm allowed to sit here I'm part of the family you can't tell me (laughs) that I can't be out here just because I'm rooting for Owen Uh, so after the match I'm uh, the anvil yeah make me yeah after the match Owen and the anvil lock the cage and then beat up Brett for a while for a while a while yeah they beat the shit
0: out of they beat the dog shit out of
1: Brett well everybody's trying to get back in and then the family eventually makes it in and it's very funny because Owen is spry so Owen just fucking one hops out of this cage but the anvil he's a little more ground centered so I think a, I
0: think we could say he's a little heavy
1: yeah, he's an he's anvil.
0: Little, yeah, his name
1: <laughs> is <yeah>. the anvil. <laughs> he's uh, what is from? It's always sunny. He's cultivating mass. Yeah, so he's cultivating you, mass. You can't move him, but it's hard for him to get going vertically. You yeah. know what I mean? So uh, he's got British Bulldog grabbing his leg and he's like, get the fuck off of me. <laughs> and uh, they run Owen down as they're leaving. And he says that he's he was the real victor, and he doesn't understand why his family's so mad. that he goes, "What's British Bulldog going out there? He's not my brother. Why does he care?"
0: I know. Like, oh man. Yeah, I. I, <laughs> I, I, love, I bet he had. Some, I, I bet he had some fun with all that shit. Like
1: I, I love me an you know, own heart. You oh know?
0: man, I this 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 whole thing. I one of the biggest takeaways for me so far in in all the except for you know being introduced to buff bagwell uh right. in in doing this this uh podcast is how big of a tragedy like owen hart owen hart's tragic for so many different reasons i knew it was tragic obviously i mean a freaking guy yeah. died but um what the wrestling community lost when they lost uh, owen hart like is just yeah. it's unfathomable like I don't like the whole blue blazer gimmick. And I think they were kind of fumbling him when he died, but yeah. it doesn't mean that he would have never had more like good runs. You know, Another I think Brett's yeah. career finishes differently. I think everything happens differently. Like, yeah, man, it sucks. Cause he was so good. He's such a crazy athlete. And he was like, you can tell he understood comedy. Um, yeah. You could tell he understood uh, how to write a story. And apparently super good guy. Like I watched the dark side of the ring on yeah. him and he seemed All-time like a guy. He seemed like a super grounded guy. Like he seen, he, he didn't want to wrestle forever. He wanted to just hang out with his family and like, uh man, it just fucking sucks. Cause I yeah. love Owen Hart.
1: Oh, the, the slammy award-winning Owen Hart where he's got, both Oh, it's so funny. It's so funny. And, <laughs> and
0: he stole one.
1: <laughs> yeah. He, he stole one. His, uh, his, all of his runs, are are so good for different reasons. See, he hurts his wrist at one point, and he's wearing a cast, and he just has the cast on forever for like an impossible amount of time. For his injury. <laughs> and then he uses the cast in his matches. Like he, he'll take it off <laughs> while the referee is knocked out and hit somebody with it. He it was great, it was great all around. So uh next we move on to Bret Hart versus Diesel at Survivor Series '95 for the WWF title. So, Bret Hart and Diesel had wrestled two other pay-per-view matches that both ended in a no contest. Um that January the 95 Royal Rumble, they had a match that ended in DQ that has technically a higher rating than this match, but there's just so much interference that it sort of ruins the end of it. Oh and really? So that's why I didn't pick that one. But okay. <laughs> These two guys have a lot of chemistry, Bret lost the title at survivor series 94 uh and another great owen hart moment he's in a submission match it's bret hart versus bob Backlund, and owen hart is bob Backlund's second uh because he's a heel and british bulldog is Bret's second and they have to throw in the towel as their way to submit and british bulldog gets knocked out trying to uh benny hill chase owen hard around the ring he slips and hits his head on on the uh on the steps so he's knocked out no, in not the line. steps yeah and owen uh bob Backling gets brent hard in the cross chicken wing and has him in it for like a, a long time and owen starts pleading with his parents that are in the front row Like, you have to throw in the towel. No one can throw in the towel for my brother. (laughs) You (laughs) You have to throw it in. And he's crying and he's begging the mom and the dad. And he's like, my brother, brother, please. You have to throw in the towel. And Stu grabs the towel the dad grabs the towel and won't throw it in and Bret hart's just in this chicken wing for like a long time <laughs> and owen's begging him and finally helen grabs the towel and throws it in and owen immediately grabs the towel and is like whoa and runs away
0: <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> it, it was he has those little like like i said he's like such a little shit like yeah. he had um What was the submission that he had Brett in at the end of that, uh, towards the end of that uh, match? It wasn't the, I don't think it was the sharpshooter. What What he Um, had him figure
1: four, I think.
0: Well, he, I think it was, it was almost like a boss. Did he have an embossing crab? Cause he's looking, he's standing in the middle of the ring. He's got Brett in a submission hold and he starts yelling. I've got to break his legs. (laughs) I'm going to break his legs. He goes, he won't walk. (laughs) I'm going to be the champ.
1: Yeah. He's that that Survivor Series ninety four match isn't isn't great, but Owen's performance is so good. Like he's on his knees begging his mom. And he's like, "I'm so sorry." <laughs> as soon as please. she
0: throws it, he's he's just happy that he won.
1: <laughs> he turns. He immediately turns back. Oh man! Uh, so this um, is a no DQ match because they couldn't get a a, a a winner in the other match. So now they have to have a no DQ match. Yeah. And Diesel's been the champion for a year. Kevin Nash's run at the top of WWF has not been uh, stellar. He's the lowest drawing champion in history at this point.
0: Really, the crowd seemed to like him in this in this match.
1: I don't think it's his fault. I think there's a lot of other reasons. Probably a lot of
0: things. Yeah, there's yeah, a lot. That, of that happens. That that happens to a lot of people, unfortunately. Where like the business kind of dies down when they're on top, and it was like it's it's not exactly to their their fault you know what i mean like but if so if if stone cold if 97 stone cold is on top like you're you're going to the moon no matter what but like (laughs) right you can still be great and have a dip in popularity just because of the ebb and flow of the business but one thing i liked about diesel his entrance song was pretty sick like i liked the the bluesy horn yeah there's a d de- it's like wah, wah, and then there <laughs> and then there's there's a uh, like harmonica with like blues guitar like almost yeah. stevie ray vaughn style it's like a
1: george thoroughgood song oh, yeah like, i dan, 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 i thought dan, it
0: was dope dan, 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 dan. like yeah and uh the crowd loved it um i don't like the and i i wish this is this is i shouldn't have even brought this up because this is an audio podcast but he does the same and maybe he was the inventor of it the same left hand goes like halfway up and then comes down and then the right hand goes all the way up in the air uh yeah uh raise fist raise thing that every tall guy does this the big show did it for a while fucking yeah. ben rothwell and the ufc does it like i'm guessing diesel might have been the guy that's that was like the, maybe the first guy to do it but like uh because he's big see he it's, can do that it's super like i just don't like it it's like you think that looks yeah. cool huh uh, <laughs> big daddy cool uh <laughs> nice teeth on the kevin on on
1: the diesel yeah um i liked the video package they showed before this match it very much made it feel like a real sport where they were talking about like bret hart has technique bret hart's advantage will be that he is technically better and more sound and diesel's is that he is stronger and bigger and like he will do more damage so is it like a -a rope-a-dope kind of situation so
0: yeah and and uh the they were already setting the tone like they talked about and they say this a lot in in like mma cards anytime fucking tyron woodley fought or like um like big muscly guys they say the longer this goes the better it is for the other guy um, yeah. like every conor mcgregor fight anytime somebody fights conor mcgregor like if it gets out of the first round they're probably gonna beat conor mcgregor it's what everybody says until um well they still kind of say it but i mean the the diaz fight went 25 minutes you know what i mean but anyway yeah. um So they said they were saying, like, if this match goes long, it gets better and better for Brett, um, which I think is a really good way to tell the big guy versus small guy story. Um, Because you have to do the, you know, attack his knees and be spry and and outsmart him and out technique him and all these things. You have to do all those things. But also the cardio aspect of it, I think, is is a really good angle to use, like a, a vehicle to use to have a smaller guy beat a big guy.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, they also, they take off two of the turnbuckle pads on two. Of, I mean, on two of the corners, they take off the top turnbuckle pad at the beginning. Yeah, so like, Diesel
0: takes it off to try to intimidate yeah. him. And Brett's like, all right, motherfucker. And he goes over to his <laughs> yeah. and takes his off. Uh,
1: uh and they do, a lot, they do a lot of that, like Brett attacks the knee, but he's trying to stay out of range. But anytime that he gets in diesel's range and uh, Nash can get his hands on him, he's hitting him with like heavy strikes. Yeah. So Nash it's is it,
0: fucking huge. Like the size difference between these two is insane.
1: Well, and it's a good, I mean, it's sort of like in MMA where you talk about a guy like who will do a bunch of leg kicks, but every time you go to do a leg kick, you're leaving yourself open for big shots. So like you have to eat, you know, you have to give one to eat two and yeah, whose strategy will win out in the end. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, they do. This is a pretty violent uh wwe match for the time like they get a chair real early in this match and brett is working it over uh on diesel's legs and he he tied diesel up i like this spot a lot he tied his leg up with one of the uh tv cables It has
0: like a mic cord i think or something yeah uh there's a long one yeah it was great he tied it to the post and uh, uh they Smare did some really him they did some really creative stuff with that because because obviously diesel has one leg that he can't use and yeah. um brett stayed on him so diesel there was never a time well there might have been i mean if you really really tried like if it was if it was a life or death situation but there was never really a time where diesel's just sitting there fine and he could be t- untying himself and brett's just letting him mm-hmm. and he doesn't untie himself like essentially it's like brett's getting in his range because he's still got to fuck him up so like he's tied up but he can't just leave so like he's he's getting in range and he's hurting him and he's they're doing a lot of really um creative things but diesel's still huge and a a good competitor so like he's picking him up and throwing him and stuff as he's like down on the corner and And,
1: trying to and always trying to untie himself like he'll get a couple of seconds and he'll go to work on it and then brett's like back on him
0: exactly so that's that's how you make it believable and like and then eventually he he got it, it worked like he eventually got into. Yeah. Uh, and then he once he got gets out of it, there's like the back and forth that's happening, which I, I thought the I thought that the, the leg tied spot was the best spot. And I, that seems like such a Bret Hart uh, uh, idea. Like, it just seems yeah. like something that he would have came up with. Um, and then another thing with Bret Hart, like we talk about. Um, Diesel gets Bret Hart in the power bomb position um he gets him uh you know head between the legs all that shit like he's gonna pick yeah. him up and uh brett has been has gotten his ass whooped so far i mean the, the, the recently in this match and just collapses to the ground like can't <laughs> even be power bombed because he's so fucked up yeah. and it's another thing that like anybody who's in a in that thing when Diesel's got is he's they're standing there helping diesel power bomb them you know what i mean yeah. and uh so he uh brett kind of took advantage of that and like oh that's actually how the match ends yeah so brett's brett's maybe he's playing possum because he's in the or no he's he's not playing possum he just took advantage of it he he's in the powerbomb position he collapses and then he from the ground because uh nash is like kind of playing with his food at that point he rolls Mm -hmm. him up and fucking wins the title
1: yeah and uh nash right on camera uh, Hart rolls him up into the small package and gets three and Diesel sits up and he goes, stupid
0: motherfucker. Yeah, he says and, it twice and the second time he goes, fucking motherfucker.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I like see, I always thought Brett was playing I thought this was Brett playing possum situation because yeah. they do the spot where they're on the outside and Brett is trying to get back in and Diesel hits him uh, with the ropes and he flies into the table. Yeah, also, that was,
0: I forgot about that part. That part's sick.
1: Which is also a big spot for 1995, like especially since that table, table
0: is just straight up a wooden piece of plywood. Yeah, like it it's is, not made for that, as, as opposed to a different Ooh, sure. uh, composition of piece of plywood. I guess <laughs> piece well, of plywood is always wooden. Uh, it doesn't
1: seem like it was pre-cut to be smashed,
0: and through. they didn't like. I, I'm glad they use what they use now with like the things that are like clearly made, just kind of fall apart. Like because yeah. he could have like you could get splinters. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah i'm sure that's his his primary concern Winter suck bro you're at one yeah um so so brett's like brett's out and they're like should we stop the match like we said it's no dq but even we have limits etc yeah Uh, so uh diesel grabs and throws him back in the ring goes to powerbomb him and i think earlier in the match doesn't brett block the powerbomb by like grabbing both arms around one of diesel's legs yes
0: i think so i'm not i'm not positive but i do think that i mean like i said it's a total Bret hart thing to do
1: yeah so he countered it and then this time he can't he can't even stand yeah he like falls diesel goes to pick him up again he falls again and i think this is the same thing where it's like Bret hart's a little bit he's a he's a little bit of a trickster you know so like diesel is now he's feeling bad he kicked the shit out of this guy but he respects him so now he's his defenses are down and brett rolls him up and immediately Nash is like, "Oh, I'm so stupid! I can't believe that I fell for it." That's one of my favorite stupid motherfuckers. Yeah, no. <laughs> and so then uh, Diesel is pissed, so he attacks after the match, and we get to see two Kevin Nash power bombs—the only ones so far—and yeah. these power bombs look like hell. <laughs> like. Yeah. It does not look like it's fun to get power bombed well, by Nash.
0: He doesn't like guide you to the ground like most guys do with power bombs. Like most, like yeah. even with, uh, even with uh, like Eddie and Benoit and shit, like they yeah. maintain contact with you until your back is flat on the ground and yeah. you're stupid. But he just lets back. you go. <laughs> he, <laughs> yeah. he lets you go at the top. You free yeah. fall onto your back. Like, yeah, it's
1: pretty gnarly. Yeah. So, uh, I really enjoyed this match. One of the funny things is. Uh, Nash said about getting his leg tied up that it was kind of a shoot like he was stuck. He was like Bret Hart used some sort of uh, Canadian merit badge ass not on this rope and I couldn't get out of it uh, was, like, legitimately trying to get out of it for a while uh, but yeah I, I always enjoyed this match uh, it only gets what is it three and a half stars which is still pretty good um, but I, I thought it was very good. I enjoyed it very much.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was good. I mean, in terms of, I understand why it was like not ranked as high as like the other matches we've watched yeah. uh, in this, but it doesn't it's mean it wasn't best. a great wrestling match. It was a good wrestling <laughs> one of the,
1: match. It's one of the best Nash wrestling matches. Oh, it has to be. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, and our last match of the set, we have Chris Benoit versus Bret Hart on the October 4th edition of Monday Nitro. Um, this is Brett's first televised match since Owen's death the previous May. He had come out and I believe it was like July and just did a promo in the ring. where like nobody fucked with him. Imagine he just came out and said, you know thanked the fans and said he didn't know what the future held, but his family was appreciative of everyone reaching out and he loved his brother and he misses him. But this is the first match that he had wrestled.
0: I'm surprised WCW didn't have like the whole NWO come down just stomps the shit out of him. Yeah. And, I, and wipes I, their ass with his with his t-shirt. <laughs> yeah.
1: On the Canadian flag. And yeah. Um and Owen so, deserved
0: it. As yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So this is the same arena where Owen had passed away. Um, and so Brett hand picked Chris Benoit as the opponent for the tribute match because uh Owen and Benoit were close. Uh because Owen also trained in the, or Benoit also trained in the dungeon and had wrestled in Stampede Wrestling in the 80s. So uh we get ring announcer it's goddamn Harley Race is who it is.
0: I know <laughs> dude and that was King, it was dude. funny. I uh I didn't know he was announcing that match and I was yeah. fast forwarding it. And I saw him and I, I went, is that fucking Harley Race? And paused and like played it. By yeah. the way, I had to watch the same fucking Craig Robinson Pizza Hut commercial like 16 <laughs> times because yeah. Peacock stinks. If you go pa- okay, if you go past a commercial, so you fast forward past a commercial break because you want to watch a match later. You still have to yeah. watch that commercial, which is fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but if you then rewind past the commercial break. You have to re-watch the commercial.
1: Hey, Doug, um, I don't want to put you on blast on the pod. Um, I know your financial situation. Pay the extra five bucks, dude. D- that's double my money. <laughs> it's ten bucks.
0: I gotta pay for I, I, I'm paying for a lot of things. Listen, I'll send
1: you I'll send you my peacock login. I Do you know how many I abortions
0: I pay for, Dusty.
1: <laughs> I dove I dove in. I listened to your brother <laughs> and I and I Bought the and I bought the bullet. You know. My
0: brother, my brother, already canceled his. I think he canceled it like right after the 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 episode in which he said he's going to continue to watch the yeah. shit. But anyway, um, so yeah, Harley Race. Uh, and yeah. he said that announce and I actually kind of believe him. Announcing yeah. this match and being involved is one of the biggest uh joys, or what does he say? Accolades, it's, yeah, uh, one of the biggest accolades in his career.
1: It's better than ninety nine point nine percent of his career accolades. Yes. Yeah, which I have no reason to disbelieve. Harley Race, um, I could see it. Uh, he's from Kansas City. He loves the hearts. Clearly, he,
0: he genuinely looks like fucking Psycho Sid. Yeah. Traveled back in time, like yeah. th- that last generation Psycho Sid is Harley Race. Yeah, I gotta watch some of his matches. Though. I've never seen a Harley Race it, match.
1: Uh, we could do that. I yeah, we'll do. do. We,
0: we've yeah. got some ideas. Uh, because I mean, I, we were talking about doing something that I think includes him. So. Uh, uh, actually, I don't know, but we'll, we'll watch some of it. Uh,
1: Benoit comes out. He's announced, and he's wearing uh, Owen Hart uh, an Owen Hart shirt, and is like clearly very like emotional about this. Uh, yeah,
0: and this was so like, I, I it's understand. tough. Like it's yeah. so hard because Benoit just always seems like a great guy, and like <laughs> yeah. everybody who talks about him is like, no, he was the best. Like he fucking. <laughs> He, he was a teddy bear. Like, I know he looks like the way he looks, which sucks because yeah. he looks like a murderer. But because he's got that m- murderer face. But <laughs> he uh, it's it's just such a weird thing. Like even like you could yeah. tell even his friends that are good people uh talking. after Well, seemingly good people talking after he killed his family and being like, I fucking wish I could tell you something other than. He was the best. Like I loved him <laughs> yeah. very much. He was always a nice guy. I didn't know there was any problems in his relationship. Like all this, because I watched uh, Brett going on TV to talk to the news guy uh, after yeah. it happened. He's like, "Man, I never saw anything like this."
1: it's crazy. Yeah, it's well, and it makes even stuff like this, which is you know very small on the totem pole of like things that are terrible. Yeah, like it makes stuff like this hard because I was like, this Benoit match is the one. For wcw if you're gonna pick one
0: oh yeah but and it's, a, whole... it's an important match i mean brett himself called it yeah. the most important match of his life
1: but the whole mood is changed by the fact that you're like you know that you can you it's hard to separate the two things
0: oh it, it absolutely is it's i and mean it's, it's, it's like, like watching a... it's like watching a hitler do a cooking show you know what i mean right. like yeah you're not gonna or be more like more... oh that fucking baba ganoush looks good you know <laughs> yeah
1: yeah you're like this is an incredible wrestling match but the whole time I'm still like yeah but that guy like murdered his family yeah and it's hard to praise Chris Benoit for his technical acumen knowing that he then goes on to kill his family
0: yeah Uh, it's it's such a weird thing because like I genuinely and at what point do you like I obviously you don't excuse it at all but at what point do you just see it as a tragedy where a man's brain changed like what's the there's no way to quantify how much of it was damaged to his brain and how much of it was inherently Chris what? so like you still have to you have to um uh denounce obviously what he did and say he did one of the most evil things you can do and uh you you, you definitely it makes you look at him differently but it's like How much of that was him and how much of that was the fact that he did a a flying headbutt for his entire goddamn career and, and his brain had holes in it. You know what I mean? So like, it doesn't excuse it like, because, um, then you could say that about, I mean, anything that we do badly is a result of the chemical makeup of our brains. Mm -hmm. So like you get to this point of relativism where you're like, can we blame anybody for anything? And that's a dangerous thing. I think sometimes. So, um, you have to kind of like, obviously <laughs> not. It's not a chill thing he did. So you yeah. have to acknowledge that he did that not so chill thing and uh, react accordingly. But still, you it's like it's such a weird because even like I said, we'll watch his friends talk about it and like how yeah. we. it's like if you fucking murdered somebody, I'd be like fucking Dusty killed somebody. I thought I would right. be the one,
1: you know, right. Yeah, you're you don't know like, you don't know, and then it's like it's weird. The even the the art part of it is hard because it's different than like Phil Spector is also a monster and murdered someone, but like I don't think about that. Whatever I listen to Wallace Sound stuff, yeah, but like because Chris Benoit is Chris Benoit on the t on the wrestling matches, I imagine that's how Chris Benoit was. In his regular life. So then, you're like, what's the what's the character and what's the real guy? It's harder because he's playing Crispin Wan, and we're not playing, but he, you know, his name's Crispin Wan in both situations.
0: Yeah, that is you true know. too. That is true.
1: <laughs> and so, uh, it it does put a dark cloud on this, but like this match, if you were just to watch it in a vacuum, is very very good. And I was surprised. Because there's a big, you know, 95 to 99 with all the tragedy and things that had happened. Like, I was noting, like, Brett's still in really good shape for the age that he is. Yeah. And the fact that he hasn't wrestled in a while, like, he's still on top of it. Um, the crowd's chanting on one before the match even starts. Uh, and just like all of Brett's matches, they're they're going at a steady pace and they're just increasing the type of moves they're doing like the spots get more and more intense and the selling becomes more prominent and there's more space between each move as the guys get tired, but the intensity is always at the same level. Yeah. Like you were they, saying, you know, they,
0: they started off um, kind of, I wouldn't say really going through the motions, but like just having a match, like there yeah. wasn't a lot of, there wasn't a lot of like fierceness or anything like that. They were just doing their things. Um, and then even the, um, even the announcers started talking about, oh, they're starting to get a little mad at each other because no matter what this is, these, these guys are still competitors and the, the wrestlers, like they slowly ramped it up as they start getting a little frustrated or they start being like, oh, you're going to fucking hit me like that. I'm going to hit you like this. Like, (laughs) I I thought that was a great way to do that match.
1: It's like the basketball all-star game where they always talk about like three quarters of that are just dudes like fucking around. And then the last quarter, they're like, Okay, but like one of us is gonna win. Yeah. Like we got I gotta try it. Now I'm gonna play some defense.
0: Exactly. You know, like, so, like, and it I think that helped that probably also helped get the crowd comfortable. Um, because at first, even for me, it was like, uh, this is weird. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, because everybody's just there for like in, not there for Owen, because they're there for nitro, but Um, like everybody's just, it's, it's for, it's an Owen thing. And like, like, we don't want to be mad at Chris Benoit for, uh, for wrestling Brett. Somebody's got to wrestle him in this and this is Owen's friend. And he he was obviously touched by the opportunity and all that. So you're like, do I root against that guy? Like, it's weird. And then they start getting after it and you're like, oh, I can just get entertained by this. You know?
1: Yeah. Well, cause you have to move past the initial, like, oh yeah, this is the, this match exists because of tragedy that occurred like and to get into the wrestling part of it and i thought yeah. that they they were willing to walk the the crowd through it you know and there's a there's a part in this where uh they go for uh they do the the owen reversal spot that gets you into the uh the tombstone position like the mm-hmm. same one that they did with with uh owen and austin and then benoit hits a filthy tombstone on brett like a jumping mm-hmm. tombstone uh on the knees, not again. He's a gentleman. Yeah, not the not the Owen Hart one, but uh, I thought that they they both just wrestled really hard in this match, and it was really good. Like there's a part where Benoit counters the sharpshooter into the crossface that looked like he was really like you're coming with me, motherfucker. I'm, like <laughs> I'm
0: taking your face.
1: Yeah, like your arm is coming with me.
0: Well, it's another thing. It's another. Uh... It's another Bret Hart thing though where um later on he tries to crossface Brett and Brett slips his leg in between um like in between basically the frame of Benoit's body as he's trying to crossface him and it blocks the yeah. crossface. And it's one another one of those like don't these motherfuckers ever try counters, you know? <laughs> like and so yeah. like uh I think I think Brett in almost every match Brett has come up with something like that. Um and I, I love how in this match, Bobby Heenan just can't help himself.
1: No, he's just, he just like
0: he's even like somber toning his jokes. But yeah. like he's like telling him to go for the eyes and shit like that yeah.
1: in a match like this. So what I would do is I'd go for the eyes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and
0: he, he suggests at one point that Benoit should offer a hand in friendship. And as he reaches out for the hand, Benoit should reach into the front of his pants and pull out a uh, something that weighs about 45 pounds and hit him between the <laughs> eyes with it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I really enjoyed this match. The end, uh, like Andrew said, Benoit now goes for a cross face and they grapple around and then Brett comes out of it with the sharpshooter and has Benoit like dead center in the middle of the ring. And uh, Benoit has to tap out yeah. to the sharpshooter. And I feel like that's an overarching... Uh, story for all of these which is so Brett has basically like his mo- his finishing move sequence which is where he does like the uh, the Russian leg sweep the side back breaker the uh, elbow drop from the second rope like he has these like he does them all in a sequence yeah and then he goes for the sharpshooter but in only two of these six matches I think does he even win with the sharpshooter like the rest of the time it's some reversal that he did or some sort of he caught a guy at the last second. And he won plenty of matches with the sharpshooter. But it seemed like in big matches, he was always looking for like a way to surprise the crowd. Yeah, he loved the crowd, to roll up. Yeah, and take the crowd on a ride as opposed to just doing the big boot leg drop kind of finish.
0: Yeah, yeah, as opposed to just working towards one thing the entire time. Um, yeah. the finish could come at any time uh I, I, he's just such a brilliant match uh i, I wouldn't say match match rider i guess like but yeah.
1: uh, when he lays out all of his matches he's a
0: matchsmith. Yeah. um
1: he's he's a matchman yeah uh, so he's a hitman and a matchman he's a
0: hitman and a matchman he's a canadian man
1: yeah um so that's the matches and if you add it up out of the six matches there are 25 stars given out uh Four stars, three and a half stars, 4.75, 5 stars for the for the cage match, three and a half stars for the Diesel match, and then four and a uh, four and a quarter star for the Benoit tribute match. That's a four point one six star average for Bret Hart, which is you know obviously we picked the best matches that he or some of the best matches he's had, but that's a average that is. Uh, that is in line with what we learned in 1997, which is if you put Bret Hart in a wrestling match, he's having a real good wrestling match.
0: Yeah. That's what I was going to say is like, we didn't cherry Well, we no, we didn't cherry pick in 97, but I, you, you, someone could say that if you're doing a Bret Hart thing and you pick 1997, that's a bit cherry picking because it was one of his best years, but like yeah. in the matches that we saw him in and we didn't pick our shows based on like, what does Bret Hart have a good match in? He averaged four stars. Or yeah. four. It was at least four. I think it was four on the dot, though. And um, that was like he was fucking he killed it in 1997 because yeah. everything is good. Like, I don't I don't know if you had a bad match with Bret Hart, it was your fault. In my opinion, like there, there is he just because he is so brilliant at building these matches. He's so brilliant at executing them. He, He's always going to just let you beat the dog shit out of him, even if he's going over, because that's part of the, that's part of his charm his character is the resilience mm-hmm. um, so you're going to get some rub like if you like I said if you had a bad match against Bret Hart I feel like it's your fault probably
1: yeah he's I mean I, I wonder what you think now seeing these six matches plus those other ones like the thing that really does shine through in all of these is how technically proficient bret hart is in wrestling but also like maybe something that i forgot like his storytelling within the framework of a wrestling match is really really good like, yeah yeah and
2: you then never, that, you
1: never but, feel cheapened at the end like i felt like i went on a ride every single time
0: it's never straightforward it's never ex- like very specific like oh they 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 wrestled around for a while and they they had uh ups and downs but then the guy hit his sharpshooter like there's it was always like there's a story being told within and you're thinking about things other than I wonder if this guy's a better wrestler than this guy in a lot of those. And, um, so in terms of technical wrestling, it just solidified what I believed before, um, because we saw 97. So like, I, I, I maybe hadn't seen everyone, obviously like his bag, his entire bag of tricks and I still haven't, but like, um, it's just it, he's every bit as good as I thought he was technically and maybe even better because I saw more of it. Um, but yeah, like you said, the storytelling aspect of it within the matches really, it really changed. Um, uh, it really showed me what is possible in professional wrestling. Um, I think Daniel Bryan does that pretty well. Um, yeah,
1: Dan- Danielson, I would say, is probably the best guy. Yeah doing that style of thing now cuz you what would you say Daniel Bryan's character is he's a very very good pro wrestler.
0: Yeah. And he wrestles he frequently wrestles guys who are bigger than him. Um yeah. and uh he's a competitor. Like the yes, the the Yes movement and his babyface run there were I mean there was some depth to his character but it's still like he's a wrestler. Yeah. Um and now even more so. He's just he's a wrestler. You know what I mean? So like um I I think Daniel Bryan's pretty similar. Um, there are obviously differences. Um, he's a little bit Daniel Bryan runs a lot more fast paced matches than um, than Bret Hart did, but I think that might be like a generational um,
1: difference. It's like a style thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I enjoyed every minute of it. I'm I'm super excited to watch all these Shawn Michaels matches. I haven't watched any of them yet, so like um, I'm excited to see. Uh, I'm I'm excited to watch it in a vacuum. I'm obviously going to be comparing because um, that's what we're right. doing here. But like, I'm excited to watch because I really enjoy Sean Michaels. Like, uh, I I he's he's char- I'm a Mark for like he's charismatic, <laughs> uh, and I, I I I happen to like that charisma as well. Like, yeah. there were a couple of times when I was fast. Well, no, one time I was fast forwarding to one of the Brett Michaels.
1: There it
2: is. Uh, it. Pop, pop.
1: My
0: my 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 editing my editing just got longer. Um, hopefully <laughs> I still have one saved. Uh, I was watching one of the Bret Hart matches. I was fast forwarding to it, and uh, I saw oh Shawn Michaels entrance is coming. Yeah. So I I rewound and watched Shawn Michaels come into the ring, and then I I went to the Bret Hart match. So yeah, I'm excited
1: he's uh yeah I'm about a halfway through and uh I'm excited to watch the rest of those ones but I think that that does it for our Bret Hart uh collaboration yeah I love the man Uh, he's
0: 64 um
1: well I still love him yes I will
0: oh man I yeah uh, yeah, I I will need him I will still need him (laughs) um I uh I He's genuinely one of my favorite wrestlers to ever live, uh, especially in ring. He might be my favorite ever.
1: Oh, real quick. Uh, I did send Andrew, the one other shining example of Bret Hart in WCW uh, in 1999 in Calgary. He cuts a promo on Bill Goldberg where he says uh, he came to WCW to uh, continue a legacy, not to lose it. And then he, he goes on and on about, Uh, how many title matches he's had, which are zero. And then he calls out Bill Goldberg and basically is talking shit to Goldberg and Goldberg spears him and then is unconscious. And everybody's like, what, what's going on? And Bret Hart rolls Goldberg off of him, counts his own pinfall on Bill Goldberg and then takes off the hockey jersey he's wearing and he's wearing a steel plate underneath. And then he tells Eric Bischoff that he quits. And it is like the closest to Bret Hart 1997 on the mic that you get in WCW. And I was so stoked for that moment when I watched it on Nitro. And then, unfortunately, Owen passed away like a month later. And they couldn't and they never they weren't able to capitalize on it.
0: Fuck. Um, Uh, that, Yeah, it was. The, the the one thing I didn't like was when he pinned when he when he did the, the three count because he was yeah. on his back, <laughs> a fucking uh, unconscious. Bill Goldberg pinned him for like two minutes. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Uh, but
1: Bill Goldberg didn't have anyone count the pin.
0: So I mean. how did they do? That is true. That is actually true. Um, yeah. how did they like? So he quit right there. So how did they yeah. bring him back?
1: Well, they were supposed to have a match on Nitro. A, a title match on Nitro or not on Nitro on uh Jay Leno, Fuck where, yeah, <laughs> where, where Brett was going to win the title, I think, from Nash on the Monday after Owen passed away, if I remember right. So it's like the pay per view for WWF was on Sunday, that was supposed to be on Monday, and of course, like that didn't go down, and so they just scrapped the whole deal, and then Brett comes back to wrestle this match against uh, Benoit. And then they start from there. And then brett wins the WCW title finally. When Russo comes, it's like the one good thing Russo did, where he's like, Bret Hart's the best wrestler in the world. What are you doing? We're going to put the belt on Brett And so they have him and Benoit wrestle again in the finals uh, of a tournament to crown a champion in uh, Canada. Bret Hart wins that. <laughs> But then they Russo it up, and uh, at Starcade, Goldberg kicks Bret Hart in the head, and then the finish is all screwed up. And then it turns out that they were going to try to screw Goldberg to make up for the Montreal screw job. (laughs) And then Bret turns heel and forms the NWO 2000 with Scott Steiner, Jeff Jarrett, Hall, and Nash. And it's like the new uh, cool NWO, Silver and Black, and then Bret is hurt, and he just never can come back to see that storyline out. Which is honestly not that Bret Hart getting injured obviously is good, but that storyline would have been terrible. If Bret Hart's in the New Blood versus Millionaires Club thing, all of that's terrible. Like, uh, it sucks because they they were like on their way to getting it half right, and it was still t- it was mostly bad. Still, the best use of Bret Hart in WCW. It's just I it's a, it's impossible. Uh, it's impossible to eventually
0: fathom. eventually we'll get to a topic that doesn't require us to shit on Eric Bischoff and <laughs> Trusseau and WCW. Yep. But you know what? God damn it. Today, we'll today's, take, yeah, today
1: ain't the day. Nope. That's not this day. Sorry, um, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> so uh real quick i had i had one i had one set of uh, pop culture things that i thought was kind of fun um bret hart won the wwf title five times so i wrote down the number one movie the week that he won the wwf title each time Okay. Uh, his first title win october 12th 1992 maybe your dad's favorite movie La Bamba? Under, <laughs> Under siege, starring Steven seagal was number one at the box. Oh, I
0: guarantee my dad fucking loves that movie. <laughs> His favorite movie is La Bamba,
1: though. <laughs> oh, okay. Not my Ricky. Uh yeah, he loves that one. Richard. He loves
0: my dad has seen La Bamba, the Buddy Holly story, and uh he loves plane crashes and uh castaway. So yeah, he loves plane, plane <laughs> okay. crashes. Yeah, yeah. my
1: dad' movie, my, my dad's movies. Those are big time dad energy movies. Oh sure. yeah, oh yeah. Um,
0: every time he him, watches Castaway, he forgets that he. You know how he always forgets that he that he's brought up the bushwhackers to us so many times. Yeah. He always forgets how many times. Every time he watches Castaway, he's like, you know what? I always think that uh, him and the girl that he delivered that package for, they should have got together at the end.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Maybe so that's, that's that. in <laughs> Castaway Two, Wilson's Revenge.
0: Yeah, uh, Cast uh, Castaway story. Two is uh, again. Yeah,
1: <laughs> cast again. No. <laughs> Uh, it's like Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. What, what do we do for that movie? Cody, get lost again? Possibly. Hangover 2? <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: can't find one of their friends?
1: It was number one. This is a Seagal Mania. It was number one for four weeks. It cost $35 million to make. It was a big success. Do you want to guess how much money Under Siege made? Uh, how much did you say it cost to make? Thirty five. 200 200 million so you know what you're not far off 156 million dollars oh
0: nice, good for them it's
1: yeah Um, i hate
0: steven seagal
1: (laughs) yeah he's the worst um at wrestlemania 10 bret hart wins the wwf title if you were free the rest of that weekend you possibly went and saw naked gun 33 and a third the final insult starring lester nielsen uh, and God. I don't think O.J. Simpson's in that one.
0: I was gonna so say, it, is the juice in that one? Then I don't want to no. watch it.
1: That's the last one. Uh, it made thirteen million dollars that weekend. It cost thirty million dollars to make. Still a pretty big success. It made one hundred twenty-two point four million, That's which I awesome. can't be upset because I love Leslie Nielsen. I'm a
0: big fan of Leslie Nielsen. Wasn't yeah. he in? Uh, was he in Surf Ninjas? Was he the bad guy in Surf Ninjas?
1: He wasn't Surf Ninjas. Oh, he yeah. wasn't the yeah because Rob Schneider's the good guy the or like their body or whatever well right?
0: and uh and uh ernie reyes jr yeah that's but leslie Nielsen was like the the bad like white ninja guy
1: yeah and uh the video game that predicts the future from yeah. ninjas yeah what are you laughing uh, about <laughs> how funny how funny that is yeah money can't buy
0: it. knives <laughs> yeah rob schneider
1: <laughs> um at survivor series 1995 bret hart won the world title and uh my mom probably went to see the James Bond movie Goldeneye.
0: Fuck yeah, dude.
1: Yeah. And I, I spent many a night uh at a friend's house playing Goldeneye. Yeah. I mean,
0: that game know, doesn't it. hold up.
1: Doesn't hold up. It, it's a bit blocky. It's a problem. Oh man,
0: I played it. I played it with my brother a while back, and it fucking. I was yeah. like, dude, this move, this game stinks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was just this fifty years ago. You
1: know what I mean? It launched us. That it launched a thousand ships in its name. You yeah, know? I'm but,
0: proud of it, but it stinks. Yeah. You know?
1: Um, that made twenty six million dollars. So I have to imagine that was the opening weekend for Goldeneye. Uh, it cost sixty million dollars to make. Real big hit. What do you think? I haven't seen it. No, with Pierce Bronson of uh, Brosnan. or Bronson. Watch your mouth. Uh, Dante's I've, Inferno fame.
0: I have. I haven't seen that either. I've only seen. Uh, there's one of the new ones. One of the newer ones, like what, either the yeah. like, either like last Brosnan or early Craig. Craig, yeah. yeah. I
1: love James Bond movies. They are the old ones are very silly. The de- the Daniel Craig ones are uh, <laughs> deadly serious. A little too serious for me Mm -hmm. but i still like them um yeah it's like they want to be the jason bourne movies but i enjoy the new james bond movies Mm -hmm. um the old ones are fun because they used to show all of them during christmas time on tnt and it was like i remember one year i was sick uh and uh i just watched them laying on the couch for like four days in a row and you can fall asleep in a james bond movie and wake up in a jif- different James Bond movie and it only takes like 10 minutes to get your bearings as to what's happening like who is the bad guy what's this thing okay and then the, like they're all basically the same movie yeah it's like this guy's trying to steal the moon this guy wants a bunch of diamonds this girl's they're... got a
0: stupid name that nobody would ever have
1: <laughs> right and she wants to sleep with James Bond yeah it's, it's easy um
0: Money Penny isn't that a name
1: yes what are you doing you know what i mean yeah that's anyway uh but A lot of people like it because GoldenEye made $352 million.
0: Listen, I'm glad James Bond exists because Austin Powers
1: exists. (laughs) Can't have one without the other. Uh, And we covered them in 97. So the Star Wars Special Edition uh, coincided with Bret Hart's fourth title reign. uh, Two classics getting another run at the top. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then Air Force One, get off my damn plane. (laughs) uh, you Terrorists is the number one movie the weekend of SummerSlam of 1997, the last Bret Hart WWF title run? Uh, Bret Hart's also only the second guy in history at the time to win the WWF Triple Crown uh, at that time, which was the WWF title, the Intercontinental title, and the Tag titles.
0: And he did them all twice when he when he wrestled. I think it was Diesel. He had yeah, already well, won them all twice.
1: Yeah, so he had doubled the double. He had yeah. doubled the Triple Crown. And That's then he dope. won the he won the King of the Ring, so he was in his own like. Wasn't strat- Diesel
0: like the fastest Triple Crown winner at his time?
1: Yeah, he ended was- up winning it within like a calendar year. He had won all three all three titles. Hell yeah, dude! So uh, that do- <laughs> that does it for this for this week. Next week, we're on to Shawn Michaels. Uh, if you want to, you can look at the real cool graphic that andrew made on twitter that'll run down the matches we'll run them down next week but uh check us out on there check us out on all the socials like you said uh i've had a lot of fun doing this thank you everybody happy holidays etc and uh we will see you next time because kayfabe may be dead but we're alive watching the best of Shawn michaels next week
0: fuck yeah bro He he ain't your boy toy
1: no